Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stackham here alongside my good friend and co-host, the voice of the Mitchell Colonels, Travis Krins. Travis, how we doing? Doing good. It's nice and warm out. Snow's melting, which I'm a big fan of. Streets are not sloppy anymore, so we've gotten past that part of the melt. And, uh... Of course, the news had to do a story on people washing their cars. I was going to just ask you, have you washed your car? I'm sure that was on your news channels as well, people washing the cars. Yes, I was going to ask you, did you wash your car? Not yet. Not yet. Maybe that this week. I want to wait till it's completely done. Your streets look good, though, so... It's kind of... You could probably, probably get it done and keep it clean. It's kind of, supposed to rain this weekend, so yeah. maybe get past this weekend. Well, and it's kind of difficult, too, because inevitably we expect that there will be some more wintry weather of some sort. Yeah. So do you, I mean, in that regard then, too, you're going to have to go take your car through the car wash multiple times? Like, throughout, yeah. like, is it better to just wait until it's all said and done? Or do you do, you do it a couple of times and just, you know, fork over the 10 12 bucks. Yeah, I say get the salt off and all that stuff. So, yeah, I... Hopefully I can sneak in and get... Maybe get that done here this week, next week. Very good. Oh, yeah, it's a extended warm front throughout the area of the 40s, at least in St. Cloud, over the next week to 10 days, which is just insane um, for January and early February. A uh, lot to get into here uh, this week. First off, let's let's uh, d- discuss Mitchell uh, Colonel Boys and Girls Basketball here. I know, I believe this is the week you go out west, correct? To, to what, Spearfish and... Sturgis. That two weeks? We go to Sturgis. Sturgis, okay. Sturgis Friday afternoon, it's at 7 o'clock, and then uh, we make our way another 25 miles northwest. Spearfish, so they, they should win both of those games. Obviously, they're not they're not very good out there. Nope, they're so. not. And they and the, the successful weekend last weekend, though against what Sioux Falls, Lincoln, and Brookings. Yep, uh, boys won versus Brookings. Kind of an ugly game. They scored a lot of points, sixty-eight, fifty-five. Uh, Brookings put up some points. They played. They played well. They made some threes. Uh, they've won five games the last three and a half years, so rough, a rough patch for Brookings Athletics. Mm-hmm. So the boys won there, they're 10-1, and one. They, they're still ranked number one. Uh, girls won at Sioux Falls Lincoln by 30 on Friday night. Lincoln, uh, a very bad team. That's uh, they, average, they, they average 26 points a game. I, it just is unfathomable to me that we would ever talk about a Sioux Falls school, particularly Sioux Falls Lincoln, as having just a terrible team. Now, is some of that, I think, what, Jefferson kind of taking some of that? Maybe people moving out to, what, like Brandon Valley, uh, Harrisburg, um, some of those uh, communities outside of Sioux Falls, perhaps? Roosevelt really got... Uh, the, the great Roosevelt migration to Jefferson, mm, okay. and but but Roosevelt boys are really good this year. So I mean, their their basketball team recovered well. Um, yeah, and Lincoln, they, they 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 don't score a lot. Of, they didn't score a lot of points when they were good, uh, but they were a team that 
you know, we're in that state tournament mix, not a serious contender, but they'd make the state tournament. Um, it was bad. They made a layup with literally like a tenth of a second to go in the half. Oh my. Or else, or else Mitchell would have won the second quarter 29. Yikes. So Yikes. It, it was bad. M- Mitchell did not score in the fourth quarter. Oh. They were outscored five to nothing in the fourth quarter. They put in the backups, and they still scored fifty-six points, and they still won by thirty. Yeah, wow. So that's, that's the kind of night that was. And then uh, Saturday they beat Brookings. The girls did a close game in the first half. We went on a bit of a run, ended up winning by twenty-two. Uh, Sawyer Sanders, the best player for Mitchell, she's going to Black Hill State uh, in Spearfish next year to play at the Division Two school. And um, she's a senior. She had 29 points versus Rookings, uh, like six assists, seven rebounds, eight steals. She's she's been uh, very fun to watch. She played as a freshman. Very fun to watch her. So as her career comes to a close, but girls are number two. They play number four Jefferson tonight. Okay, that'll be that'll be a tough one. They're they're eleven and zero. Mitchell is Jefferson's eleven and three. So that'll be a big game before they go out west. This is their best start in twenty one years. So, Jaden Dunn is a six one forward for Jefferson. She's going to STSU. Okay. He's more of a defensive player, long arms, rebounding, blocking shots type of a thing. So we'll see how she does in Brookings, but. Yeah, Jefferson, they got a couple of, uh, at least, they got they start a couple of freshmen. They have one really good freshman who could shoot, so she might be somebody to uh, know here about, like, uh, Altenberg is her name. Okay. So, she's a ninth grader playing already. Wow. So, yeah, that'll be a tough game for Mitchell. Should be a tough game for Jefferson, too, so hopefully it's close. But that's a big game tonight, then. A couple wins out west, we should win four out there, and then uh, what about... Four weeks to go in the regular season. Well, safe travels out west. Uh, enjoy your time out there. Go hopefully uh, a sweep, a four-game sweep for the teams out there. Uh, so good luck with all the, with the calls out there. Uh, speaking of SDSU, we'll talk college basketball here later on in the podcast. But um, it just made me think of it that because uh, you mentioned SDSU, uh, they had the, the the boys had a game on CBS Sports Network last week. On Thursday, the the women had one on Sunday against Oral Roberts. Did you catch either of those games? Men's game, no. Women's game, yes, with other pink jerseys. Mm-hmm. It was like in the second half, they were up by like 15. It was... Or, I was just looking for something after that Ravens-Chiefs game turned into not very good football. Shit fest. And I thought, oh yeah, they were on the thing here today. I turned and they were up and like, yeah, all right. I didn't, I didn't catch the message either. It it's interesting no. to me that Alex Heinert is doing the play by play. I guess it makes some sense because I think he does it for North Dakota hockey when they are on CBS Sports Network. Alex Heinert, of course. Uh, is on Midco Sportsnet, so CBS Sports Network is you know kind of trying to I mean, cultivate that local talent or just hire the local talent so they don't have to fly people in um, into Brookings. But it is interesting to me that 
the Summit League would say, hey, we're going to go on CBS Sports Network. Sure, you get more games on there than you do on ESPN because that's it's only for the Summit League tournament. But I'm wondering, is this what it's going to be like? The Sean Morris guy, the, the color commentator for the men's game on Thursday, it, his voice sounded familiar. I think he's on Midco Sportsnet Tour has called games uh, for the Summit League tournament. And it just... I, I'm, I'm puzzled because I don't know, like, are you ever going to get someone like a like a Rich Walls coming in, a, 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 a McCarthy, uh, any of those guys, or is this going to be the Alex Heinert show? And Alex Heinert's very good. I'm not trying to diminish anything that he's doing. He is a very good play-by-play guy, and at least he knows who South Dakota State is, so he's not going to mess that up. But I, I was just, I was a little surprised I guess not shocked, but surprised that they would have local guy, uh, local people doing the broadcast on the national network. Um, maybe I shouldn't have been. Maybe I was a tad naive. I was just a little surprised that it was Alex Heinert doing it, but it, it does make sense. Yeah, he does a lot of the hockey stuff. I think he has. Oh, there we go. Sign a contract or whatever. He has. He does a lot of games on CBS Sports Network with hockey. I felt like he, he did like an Oral Roberts game that did not involve South Dakota State in Tulsa recently as well. So he's okay. been doing some summer league games. Okay. And, and, and that's good because he because he knows what's going on. Yes. Like you said, we don't have to worry about, well, who loses out South Dakota State? And what, what are we doing here? So mm-hmm. he grew up in the state and knows what's going on. So the more of that they can do. I was just surprised that it was a regional guy and not someone that you would more so associate or that you've seen before on a national telecast, either from CBS or CBS Sports Network. The WNIT championship last year was some random guy. Yep. Uh, from down south. But if you can, hire those regional and local guys. But yeah, no, it makes sense. And it makes me wonder now, like, when they show, like, Boston and Holy Cross, or Elon and whoever, like, in Campbell. I think that was the game preceding the men on Thursday night. Were are those guys local, like to North Carolina or to the to the Mid Atlantic there, or are they more CBS Sports Network prodigy? Like we know, like Andrew Catalan and uh, um, oh man, now I'm, I'm, I'm the the names mistake Gary Lapis or whatever, but. Sure. Uh, Oh, oh, Noah's coming in here. We got something. Uh, Noah, you got something to say to Travis? Yeah. Yeah, on this Grizzly episode, Grizzly used the toothbrush to clean his ears and used the toilet brush to brush his teeth. That is gross. Grizzly is a bear, and he he, he uh, has a he talks with a lot. He he interacts with a lot of lemmings. It's called Grizzly and the Lemmings. But that is gross. That you would use a toilet brush to to brush your teeth and a toothbrush to Get your to clean your ears. Not great, not great. That's not very hygienic, is it? No. Yeah, I don't think Grizzly's so smart at all. No, no. Because he does things that are all the time gross. Yeah, that's very gross. You got anything else? Yeah, he, he, his girlfriend doesn't like him because he does because he does not. Not good things about the lemmies. Oh, he's not nice to the lemmings, so the, his girlfriend, the girl bear, doesn't like him? Well, 
girlfriend, but he just doesn't like the Lemmys. They just steal everything he has. Mm. It's not but, good. It's not nice to steal, is it? Yeah, and the and when the Lemmys grab the chocolate first, Grizzly just steals it from them. Well, do lemons need chocolate? Yes, but they want it. Oh. But Grizzly doesn't. But Grizzly doesn't let them. I would call Grizzly. Who is this guy? <laughs> you like this guy? You like this Grizzly guy? No, who is this guy? Oh, this is a, it's, it's Grizzly and the Lemmings. You can find it on Netflix. Grizzly and the Lemmings, season three, episode two hundred and thirty-four. My heaven! Holy bucket! How many of these are there out there? Uh, it's like seven-minute episodes, and it's pretty much the same thing over and over again. Hi, Travis. Hello, there's there's uh. Seventy-eight episodes, I guess. Two hundred and thirty-four. So there are, are there multiple segments in a. Okay. Uh, it's like seventy. It's like sixty to seventy episodes per season. But this like, is very well reminiscent to Wiley Coyote and the Road Rock. Yes. Yes. It. It, it would be. It's. Oh, it, it's it's yeah. like three cartoons within a half-hour span. So like each one is seven minutes yeah. and change. So. You got the bear and you got all these little characters. Yes. And, uh, and, and the, the, the little characters cause the bear trouble. Uh, and the chocolate that they consume is very uh, similar to that of Nutella. Lots of chocolate like that. All right. So there you go. Don't, so the, don't look too terrible. So so he is off now. Um, but French Revolt, I guess it's a French production. Yes, yes, it is. We oui, we oui. well. Yes, we oui, we oui, indeed. So okay, uh, going back, I guess to Jack, it was just it was interesting. So we'll see how that uh, if that's how it plays out for the but, Summit League tournament. I would guess, or for the semifinals and the finals, I would guess it would. But who's to say at this point? Just very interesting. We'll we'll talk more college basketball here um, later on. He, he does. You see him on like his name may not ring a bell. If you see him, you probably know who he is. His name's uh, Rich Hollenberg. He was at the, he was at the Baylor game on Saturday, the the Baylor TCU triple overtime game. Okay. And he was the guy that would do the Tennessee State games in Nashville. They had a couple of ESPNU games back in 2013 when I was there. Okay. And he's still around 10, 12 years later, doing this. And like he, I thought he was kind of like he was. That was his area. Mm-hmm. That Nashville, wherever that area is, and apparently branched up to Big Twelve. So, like he was kind of like that. Like, yeah, if there's a game of ours, it's going to be this guy because he was probably somewhere in the region. Yeah, and we know Clay Matvick has kind of expanded yeah. out. He used, yeah. I mean, he started at, at, at what Minnesota Sportsnet or you know, like UPN and stuff in the Twin Cities, and then yeah. he became more regional, and then of course he's. Uh, you know, he did the Summit League tournament for as long as it's been on ESPN. But now, you know, he, you see him do a lot of ESPNU college football games and basketball games more down in like the Texas area. So he's obviously expanded his national brand. It was just interesting to me to see Alex Heiner. Uh, which conference championship game would you like to discuss first? The Lions. You want to do the Lions? Okay. Detroit Lions were also close to getting to their first Super Bowl. 
they had a 24-7 lead over San Francisco. And I'll be honest, I was stunned that San Francisco came out that poor, especially after they had done so against Green Bay. Um, Detroit looked the part. They played absolutely great, especially running the football. They ran it 21 times. I think in that first half for 148 yards, it was you know seven yards a clip they were averaging. It was just incredible. Uh, they got an interception. The defense was playing well, and they go into the half at 24 to seven, and then we know what happened in the third quarter. Uh, the 49ers get a ridiculous catch by Brandon Ayuk. They score a touchdown moments later. That made the lead 24-17. They, then the very next play, Jameer Gibbs fumbles it for the Lions. The 49ers score a touchdown. They eventually get up 27-24. And then what everyone is talking about is the decision by Dan uh, Lions coach Dan Campbell to go for it on a fourth and two from his own 28, I believe, uh, would have been a game-time 45-yard field goal. He opts instead to go for it. They don't get it. The 49ers score a touchdown, and at that point, the game's pretty much done. Now, there is a lot of debate, and we'll get into that here now. Uh, I think, and I, I, I'll, I'll go off a little bit. I've said it's 100% on Dan Campbell, the Lions' loss. Um, and, and there's more to it that we'll, we'll get into. Uh, you had a piece on... KR and radio regarding saying it's not Dan Campbell's fault. So for those that have not read the article, um, we obviously are on opposite ends of this. Uh, your thoughts on the game and, and then, of course, you know, the, the, the defense of Dan Campbell. Excellent starts. But I'm like, you got you to gotta keep going. You got to you gotta keep going here. You can't. You're up 17. That's nice. You got to keep going. And they just, you know, just dropped passes and the fumble and just everything that could go wrong went wrong. You know, mm-hmm. Jameson Williams had a, had a drop that could, should have been a touchdown in the fourth quarter. All, all these things that went wrong, they're just, they're just an unbelievable catch by Brandon Ayuk. So all that stuff happens. and On a play that probably should have been intercepted. Or at the yeah. very least, incomplete. Now, there was a flag that they picked up on that. We don't know if that would have been pass interference or not. So that might be a moot point in general. But the the, the fact is, it was an incredible catch by Ayuk. Thanks in part to Veldor, I think is the, the name of the the oh. Lions safety that, um, yeah. that didn't make the play. So many, a lot of people are, well, they went for it. You know, they were up by... Uh... 14 at the time of the first one. Mm-hmm. And the second one, was it uh, or tied or down by three? Down by three, yes. And the second one. So we, and my, my biggest thing is that like the field goals were not automatic. With everybody saying, you know, get the field goal. But like, these weren't 30-yard field goals. What, 45, 46 yards? The other one would have been 48. Mm-hmm. And I... Like, those are not easy field goals. These are not 30-yard field goals. These are nearly 50-yarders. And I'm like, well, that's not guaranteed. It's like, well, that's not... Maybe they make it. Like, what are the chances they make both of them? What are the chances they make one of them? 
what are the chances they 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 missed both of them? And I was fine with them going for it because the field goals were not guaranteed. And I don't. But neither is converting a fourth down. What what is more likely? I would say it depends on your kicker. For the Lions, I'm like I I because they they are very good. They go for it a lot on fourth downs, mm-hmm. and they're very good at that. Yep. They were this year fourth and three and less. They were seventy five percent. That's pretty good. They were fifteen of twenty. But like, yeah, fourth and three, go for it, and I would say that is worth the risk of doing that, uh, getting that seventy five percent of the time to, to continue to drive. Uh, do, do you feel confident you're going to make that kick 75% of the time? Maybe it's right around that 60-70% mark. So I was fine with going for it, and all Josh Reynolds has to do is catch the ball. So, like the first one. On the, on that first fourth down at the yeah, beginning the of the second. Down, that's when the collapse started to happen. Yep. Like Dan Campbell's not at fault there. Jared Goff is not at fault. Everything went the way that play was supposed to go, except the receiver dropped it. it was like, well, that, yeah, we went for it because we thought, I mean, at no point in that game did San Francisco stop the line. They started to stop the run a little bit in that second half, but it was hard not to be better than they were in the first half. Well, the, and the Lions only ran it seven times. I mean, that that is an indictment on Campbell and offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Why wouldn't you run the football more? Well, they felt like they were, they were moving it. Because they started to stop them a little bit running the ball in that second half. And, like, they were in passing. They were, this you know, San Francisco was supposed to be the best team in the NFC. And Detroit just walked all over them mm-hmm. for a half. And the only reason it stopped was because they started to drop fairly easy passes. So the Lions just... So if that's it's Reynolds, Reynolds catch the ball and that's the first down and nobody's talking about it. And so if though if they're having issues catching the ball, moving the ball offensively, and I'm looking more so at the at the last at the, at the last fourth down or the second fourth down attempt that they didn't get. It's 27-24. The Lions have scored 20 unanswered points. And the momentum's clearly with them. The fans are going crazy. Everything like that. The Lions offense has not been able to do anything. As you mentioned, they just dropped a lot of passes. Why wouldn't you kick a field goal to tie the game, kind of simmer the crowd down, and then also kind of reset everyone, reset the defense, reset the offense, because it would be good to see points on the board. I think analytics are good to a degree, but there's a feel for the football game. And that's where Campbell and his aggressiveness lack. Like, you have to think of, like, you you have to get a feel for the football game. And you get points on the board, you tie it, that puts pressure back on the 49ers. I think that was a colossal mistake. And I, I just about everyone agrees with this. You are very much in the minority with the opinion that yeah, Dan Campbell is not to blame, and I do understand that from your from your standpoint of hey, we're aggressive, we're going to go for it on fourth down and all that. 
But if you are going to be aggressive, and Dan Campbell gets a lot of praise for the Lions' aggressive nature and going for it and converting these fourth down conversions. So if he gets the praise for that, then he also deserves the blame for not going for a field goal, for a game-tying field goal in the NFC Championship game and putting your team in the best position to potentially get to the Super Bowl. His in-game management was bad. And then also, why kick the field goal at the end of the first half? Why not go for it on fourth down there? Is it because he wanted to get up by three scores? Oh, well, that makes sense. You could have done that at the at the beginning of the second half too. And if they miss that field goal at the end of the at that that first drive in the second half, the one that they turned the ball over on downs that Reynolds dropped, then I understand more the decision to go for it on that fourth and two later in the fourth quarter. If you're like, well, Badgley has already missed this. I don't trust it. We need to. We need to either get it closer or we need to score a touchdown and take the lead. I understand that more. But you haven't seen Badgley kick it from there yet. That's the game situation-wise. The analytics may say, yes, go for it. Game, The game situation, though, told you it was the the better move to kick the field goal with the way the game was. And that's where... Dan Campbell deserves the blame because his aggressive nature cost the Lions in the end. Like, analytics to me is like the probability of something happening. What is the probability of David Ortiz hitting a ground ball to the right side of the infield? Very high. So that's why we put a second guy on the, in, in, in shallow right field. Mm-hmm. Now, they, they talk about analytics a lot here the last decade. Well, like, analytics have been around forever. But not it's to just, this degree. It just has a new name of analytics. Like, if you go back to 1896, when they're playing baseball, whoever the good hitters were then, I'm sure... Mm-hmm. Wherever they like the baseball level, don't give uh, three fingers brown the goddamn uh, fastball down the middle. That's yeah. where he likes the left analytics. Like, yes, he likes the ball right down the middle. Don't do that to him. Analytics is, well, Barry Bonds is really good. Let's walk him 200 times a year and have him have a 62% on base percentage because we know he's really good. We know where to pitch him, but we're not confident that our pitcher is going to execute that pitch, so uh, we're just going to give him first base instead of him hitting a home run. So it's analytics. I think they're more I think they're more willing to take a chance. It's like there, there's a lot of value in keeping the football. There's a lot of value in scoring seven points instead of three. Yeah. I, I, like, I like his aggressiveness. It's it's worked. I mean, you look at the numbers and, and how much, how many fourth downs they've been able to convert. You're right. Yep. It's it's really good. So I like, and I like the chances of them making the first down on fourth and three compared to kicking a field goal on the second. Well, on, on, on the first field goal into the first half. Fourth and goal at the three. I, I mean, that's a twenty-one yard field goal. That's that's again, that's you know ninety-nine percent probability there of 
But the you're other, gonna but the, you're going to get points there. That's but the previous you know, week against Tampa Bay, they had it fourth and goal, and they went for it against Tampa Bay to score a touchdown. So what? What? What's the difference? That was at the one. This was at the three. So I'd say that was that would be your difference there. I think the Tampa Bay game, I think they were tied at the time at ten. So it's the game situation. Sure, game situation. Uh, it, it was this was a beautiful drive at the end of the half. It was a five minute drive. Uh, took seventeen plays and sixty eight yards. You know, you, you want to cap that off with points. Right, but you know, right, right at the end of the uh, end of the first half, you go up by seventeen. So. But you, you take do that at the twenty-yard field goal. That's a gimme. It's a but if you go for it. What are the chances you make it? Fourth and three. Well, you just said fourth and I guess seventy-five percent. Right. Fourth and three. The field goal is what ninety-nine percent. But you so don't. So that way, okay, I'll, I'll take something that's ninety-nine percent certain over something that's seventy-five. But. That gives you a score of twenty-four to seven. If they choose to go for it, they could have put the hammer down. If they had converted, they could have made it twenty-eight-seven, and then it's over. At the, pretty much at that point, you if you don't get it, you give San Francisco momentum. The choice to go for three there is I'm going up by three scores. At least that's how I would look at it. And then again, you're talking about that's the situation, situational football, and that's where he. His aggressiveness cost him in the second half, particularly in the fourth quarter. And that's not even like getting into the decision to run for it on third down late in the game when they're down by 10 on third and goal and be forced to use a timeout. Like, that that's bad. Like, that you can also blame. I mean, you can do that, but you can't use your timeout. Right. You, you know, you're driving down, you're trying to make this a three-point game. Mm-hmm. You to save all three of those timeouts to get the ball back. And I think, you know, maybe they would have. You, you, you can yeah. run, but you need to not use your timeouts. That was, once yeah. that happened, the game was over. Yes. Yep. So that's also a situation or an example where Dan Campbell, it, he cost the Lions the game. All of these add up. Now, yes. The players played the game, and the, the play like you mentioned it that Josh Reynolds dropped a couple of passes that he should have. Jamison Williams dropped a touch, uh, the would be touchdown. But again, whenever the Lions go for it, it's always everyone praises the aggressiveness of Dan Campbell. When he fails, he deserves the blame, and his aggressiveness, his over aggressiveness in the NFC Championship game, cost the Detroit Lions. A trip to the Super Bowl. Like I, I... the second fourth down, you're down twenty-seven, twenty-four. Kick a field goal. If again, that's the this is the more difficult of the field goals. There are seven and a half minutes to go. You're down three. Mm-hmm. You're going to try a forty-eight yard field goal uh, with a kicker who has never. Attempted a field goal outdoors this year. The three previous drives for San Francisco were field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal. I don't think tying the game there. And then their, their very next drive, they scored a touchdown. So, 
But they had the momentum. The crowd was with them because you know the Lions had just not converted a fourth down. At that point, you know your defense is not stopping anybody. A, you're trying to win. You're not trying to play for overtime. You're not trying to tie the game. Uh, you're trying to take the lead. You're trying to win. So, and, and okay, let's say they, they make both of these field goals, these automatic field yes. goals. Yep. That everybody, okay, you lose by three. Mm-hmm. Who knows how things change? You know, you, you get a field goal, you go up 17. Who knows what changes? So just Let's just assume mm-hmm. uh, they make one of the field goals or it's tied at 34. They make both of them. They're up by three. Mm-hmm. And who knows how that changes the rest of the game? Right, but at least they're, but they're still in it then at that point. Sure. By not That's doing it, you're taking goal. points off the board. I get that it's not guaranteed, but neither is converting the fourth downs. It's situational football. And that's where Campbell. That's where Campbell failed. You have a better shot of converting the fourth down than making the field goal. That's that's where I think. But if, if, if right. and if you're right, you know, I'm not. I guess I, you're right that Badgley has not kicked, uh, attempted a field goal outdoors. Isn't that then an indictment on not only Campbell but GM Brad Holmes for not having a kicker that they could rely on in that situation? Isn't that a reason to blame? Like you don't have a a Justin Tucker or uh, trying to think like a Kaimi Fairbairn or anything like that. Like if you if you're you don't have a complete football team, then if you are so hesitant to bring out your kicker to attempt what should be a makeable 48 yards. Yes, it's not automatic, but with the way kickers can make 50-yard field goals and 60-plus-yard field goals these days, 48 is not like what it was back in the early 90s or even the, the early 2000s. You, If you don't have a kicker you can trust, why why is he even on your team? Like that? Do you think, do you think he makes that second field goal? They're down by three. There's seven minutes left, seven and a half minutes left. Down by three to tie to 27. I think it was the better play. If they try that field goal, do you think he makes I don't think he does. But we don't, it's... We don't, we don't know. We don't know what, what it would have been. With him, he, they just brought him in. They, they had Riley Patterson as their kicker. Yes. And they what they got rid of, they... Send him to Cleveland. I don't know what that situation was. Yeah, I think it. Well, I think uh, Cleveland signed him off the practice squad when Dustin Hopkins got hurt. So, but Badgley has been a kicker in the league for years. I mean, he was with the Chargers. Like Riley Patterson, he was. I don't know. Like, well, how did how did they get rid of him? Like, he seemed pretty good. Yeah. So again, that's an indictment on the Lions and on but Campbell he's got, and got Michael Bagley here. I saw well, Jake Moody, the San Francisco kicker, miss a 48-yarder in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. But he's a rookie. Huh? He's a rookie, too. And that's a, that's also an indictment on the Niners for drafting a kicker in the third or fourth round. He missed, like, kicks in four straight games, so that's not good. Right. And I saw the Packers kicker miss one last week. Also a rookie. And he had missed he had missed the most kicks in the NFL this year. Point extra points and field goals. I don't like the chances of Bagley hitting that forty eight yard field goal. I don't like most kickers' chances of hitting that. 
And I saw that last three games, the kickers were four of eights just on straight-up field goals. So, like, San Francisco, where conditions seem to be good, but it's hardly an automatic thing. So, but like, I, I don't feel comfortable sending my kicker out there to attempt it, almost a 50 with all that pressure and everything, yeah. Unless you've got Justin Tucker, and that'd be about it. But then why even have a kicker on the team? Only why, why, why send him out to kick extra points? Extra points are hardly automatic now. Why? And then why kick the field goal at the end of the first half? I get that it's 21 yards, but if you're so, if if you have so much distrust in in your kicker, why even why even attempt to kick? At all, why not just go for it every time on fourth down or punt it, or why not go for it, uh, go for two every time? Like, wh- why not do that? It doesn't make sense. It, it to to say I'm kicking it in certain times and and not. And again, I I would be a very conservative head coach. I don't like the uh, Dan Campbell's aggressive nature. It would drive me nuts as a fan. I don't like it at all. So that's my personal preference. But I'm just saying, if you're looking at it, that you got to think of the game situation. Like analytics doesn't take into account the crowd noise, how your offense has been sputtering all second half, the dropped passes by Reynolds, and then the play that they called was absolutely horrific because it rolls Goff out. He's got to scramble out of the pocket. He doesn't have anything on his throw. Amonra St. Brown wasn't going to catch that at all. It was pretty well covered. Like it's just not. It, it's not a good play. So if that's your that's your design on fourth and two, you're going to bypass a field goal to run that play? Uh, give me a field goal then at that point. Like if that's the, truly the play you're going to run, I'd rather have a chance at the field goal and the guaranteed three points because also if they convert... But it's not, but it's not a guarantee. That's the thing. I think people still... Even when I say this, you just said a guaranteed three points. But that's no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I meant. Well, I mean, I, that's have the a, thing with people with field goals. They think field goals are automatic. No, it's it's not. But it's not. That's the thing. But what if that, they, even if they had converted the fourth down, what if they, it's an automatic three points? What's not? It's a 48 yard field goal, which I just saw a guy miss. And if they, they did not stop them in the second half, they scored on every possession. San Francisco did. So fine, try a 48-yard field goal, tie the game. To win this game, you're going to probably have to go for two because you are not stopping San Francisco at this point. Your defense has, has completely collapsed. So you kick a field goal, great, you're tied. And then what did San Francisco do? They just went down. And then it would have been interesting if this was a, a seven-point game instead of a ten-point game with a minute to go. I guarantee you Dan Campbell would have went for two after that touchdown. Sure, sure, but then if he doesn't get it, you are then that opens up a whole can of worms. But as you said, if they're down by seven with a minute to go, it changes everything because you would have kicked the field goal. And who's to say, you know, if they go if they convert the fourth down that they wouldn't turn the ball over later? It's like, why wouldn't you try the field goal? If you tried it earlier and missed it, I understand it. If you don't try it at all, that's where his meat-headed aggressive nature overrode the 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 better option to try and kick the field goal and if you don't have faith in your kicker then you should have a different kicker on your team or don't kick a field goal at all and i again it's call, just, would you call mike mcdaniel a meathead or because dan campbell's a big six five tight end and mike mcdaniel's like five eight and 150 pounds 
Like, it's, you, you look at him, he's this big tight end guy. Like, you are more likely to convert the fourth down than but make they, the field goal. But they had only had 80 yards of offense in the whole second half, and their offense hadn't done anything. Doesn't that mean anything? Why, why was Why did their offense not do anything? Well, Jameer Gibbs fumbled it. Because they're fumbling, because they're... Because they're dropping passes, so if you... dropping passes, you had Sam LaPorta got hit, and he dropped a pass. You had Josh Reynolds drop another pass, like three plays later after that fourth down. So again, if they're dropping passes, wouldn't the better option be to try for a field goal? Like, you don't play for... You don't assume they're going to drop the passes. But you don't assume that the field goal's going to be missed, either. I don't assume it's going to be made either. Right, but you can't assume, based on what the Lions had done in the second half, that they would be able to catch a pass when it, they needed it most. Like, if Jamison, like, the, I think the fumble was big because yep. that gave him the ball right back after a score. Yes. Um, the James, Jamison, Willie, like, nobody's talked about that. Like, he should have caught that football. Like, that was fourth quarter, like a 37-yard pass, left side of the end zone. Beautiful pass. He beats his two guys. It hits his hands. Mm-hmm. It goes through. I mean, he's very fast. He scored the great touchdown on the opening drive on a run. I don't know if he's ever going to come great because he can't catch. Mm-hmm. That right there, he scored a touchdown there. That that goes a long way. So yes. I'm not, yeah. not going to blame Dan Campbell because he didn't attempt a 48-yard field goal. But again, there were five other drops, and there was a fumble. And there was a poor use of a timeout. That he and did. That he did. Whoever the whoever the um, whoever the tight end was, I don't think it was the porter. The tight end caught it at the one. Brock Wright, I believe. And then I like you got to get in. You got to even. If, I mean, you got at that point you had well over a minute to go. You're like, all right, we got a minute fifteen left, three timeouts. We've got a shot here. Uh, they didn't get in. So there's a bunch of other things. You know, ten other things that we've mentioned. Yes. Before I would go to, well, you could have tried a field goal. And even if they do, all that does is tie the game. San Francisco still had 50 seconds and a timeout. Mm-hmm. And they were marching up the field all second half. So I think Dan Campbell looks at that and says, we need to win the game. We just can't. Tying the game doesn't do any good because we can't stop them. We need to get seven points or eight points. We need to take the lead. Doesn't doesn't a tie game they'll put more pressure than back on the Niners to regain the lead? At that point, I mean, they were down by seventeen, and I don't know what pressure they had there, and they it didn't seem to matter. See, so I, I don't know what what they're thinking with with pressure being tied or being down three scores instead of two, or being tied instead of up by three. I don't know what they're thinking because they were not showing much much resistance defensively so yep. sure you'd like to be tied but but again I have, if, no, I have no problem with them going for it but it, like if, it, you know, yeah if if but if everyone's going to praise him when he's aggressive and it works you need to Blame him when he's aggressive and it fails. When a better, when a different option at least presented itself, that's that's the main well, thing. Well, I, I like at first when I blame Josh Reynolds. 
I don't blame Dan Campbell at all on that one. But okay, so when a fourth down works, do you do you say? And they they always say, "Oh, what that was a great decision by by uh, Dan Campbell to go for it." They don't praise the players a lot. They always praise the coach. So in in those situations, when they do convert a fourth down, are you praising Jared Goff? Are you praising sure. Sam Laporta? Or are you saying yes? I because you even said in your piece, "Thank you, Dan Campbell, for making it." You know, like this, the most enjoyable year of football yeah. I've ever seen. Well, you didn't you didn't thank Jamison Williams or Jameer Gibbs for converting those fourth downs. You didn't thank Sam Laporta. You thank Dan Campbell for his aggressiveness. Therefore, if you're thanking him for that aggressiveness, blame him when his aggressiveness doesn't work. I, I think he's got a lot of confidence in his guys to convert those with 75% conversion rates. He's like, you know, I believe in you. I believe that you are going to make the play. I'm going to give you the shot on a fourth down to to make the play and continue the drive. And I've always, and I think there's always a belief that the aggressiveness will come back to bite you at some point, and it did in the biggest game in Detroit Lions foot history, or at least in the last 50 years, and it cost them the soup uh, a chance at the Super Bowl. It really did, and I think that's why Campbell deserves a lot of blame because of his aggressive nature, of his aggressiveness, and it didn't work out. And yes, blame blame Josh Reynolds for dropping it, blame Jameer Gibbs for fumbling, but if you live by, as I said, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. If you're going to praise Campbell for when it works, blame him when it doesn't. I think it's all the results. It's like, well, they didn't make it, so it was bad. Like, it's all about the result. But I see, if they had converted the fourth down, I still would have thought it's a bad decision. Like, Boy, why'd they do that? Like, I I, um, I do some football games with the guy who works at the station. He's mm-hmm. he's very conservative as well. And I'm more like, hey, you know, go for it on fourth down. You know, go for it. Be aggressive. Do some stuff. Mm-hmm. There was a... Uh, Mitchell's played Jefferson the last two years. From like sixty three nothing both times. Mm-hmm. Um, the game this year was Mitchell actually moved the ball a little bit, but they gave up like four punt returns or four half their touchdowns came on defense mm-hmm. and special teams. And it was like early second quarter. Mitchell had gotten a first down around midfield, and it was already like twenty one nothing. Twenty one nothing second quarter. You're not winning the game. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win this. It was like a fourth and five at the 50. Like, Mitchell didn't have much trouble moving the ball. So I'm like, hey, do you go for it here? You're at midfield, fourth and five. Go for it. And he's like, no, like you've had a good drive. You pin him deep inside the 20. You see what you can do. And guess what happened? They score a touchdown, probably from 80 yards out. An 80-yard punt return touchdown. Yep. So it's like, should you have gone for it? Yes. Based on the result of what happened by punting, yes, you should have gone for it on fourth and five. And even if you don't make it, they get the ball to fifty instead of kicking the extra point on the on the eighty yard return. So for I think most people, it is all about the result. But how like much? If, how, like if David Ortiz is up there and he hits the ball where he doesn't want to. And it goes up the third base line for a double where nobody is at, even though the pitcher made his pitch, 
Ortiz swung at a terrible pitch. And 5% of the time it goes that way. Was that a bad decision to do that because he beat the shift for once? I don't know. Why? But for most people, it's all about haven't... If, you, if you convert it, it's good. If you don't, it's bad. Haven't we, that, haven't, haven't we called Brandon Staley a dumbass over the weeks and years for... It hasn't worked for him, but then Dan Campbell's a great coach because it has worked. It's... That's what I'm saying, though. So it, it because it has worked, everyone considers him great. When it's yeah, bad... That, that, that's the only thing. Like You can do this, but you better make it. And I, you know, 75% for those fourth and shorts is a very high percentage. So, yeah, like if you do it, you better make sure it works because if you don't, uh, people aren't going to like that. People are going to say you're dumb. People are going to say it's too risky. Yep, and they and um, that's why Dan Campbell deserves every ounce of criticism that he is getting here, every bit of heat because of that decision. I mean, we're talking about like, chances that what – the, what do you think the chances are they would have made both of those field goals? I would say – 55 to 60%. That's not very high. Wouldn't you want the more high percent play? Does that play get me points? It could. It did. Like at the end of the game, they're down 10. Mm-hmm. Or was it fourth and goal for one or two? Yep. They, they could have kicked a few goals. Yep. They went for the touchdown, they made it. And you right could have there. argued that they probably should have kicked a field goal maybe at the 20 to preserve more time. Could be. But then you need to get the ball back, and then you need a touchdown. Instead yep. of the field goal, and maybe you could have preserved a timeout. Don't we always kind of... Uh, the Ravens game, they had a, what was it, a fourth and one from the 30? The Chiefs? The uh, The Ravens. Yes, like yes, yep. One at the 30, like, later yep. in the game, they yep. were down like Yeah, no, yeah, I, I do recall. I think it was in the first. I, think they, it, ever, I mean, they went for it because you kind of had to. And, like, nobody talks about that. Like, oh, they shouldn't have done No, they, they should have. Well, I I didn't but think they, they should have, but they converted it. It's like, oh. You didn't think they should have? No, no. They had seven points. I mean, you, you need a yard. Like, you uh, picking up a I mean, it should be. It's not the Eagles, but, like, you should get that 80% of the time. Fourth and one, uh, I think they were down 17-7 at the time. You need to yeah, I'm, I'm, generate some offense. So, yeah, yeah, you are much more conservative than I would be. Yes. It's like, I'm, I'm not relying on my kicker. And that's part of the Vikings thing is they're too, they're too careful. Like, take a chance. And Kevin O'Connell's gone for fourth downs, and he's been aggressive in this and that. Or like, like taking a chance. Let Kirk Cousins go. See what else is out there. Take a chance. You know, the Lions could have kept Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? You're our quarterback. We're not letting you go. We think you're pretty good. We're not letting you go. But they traded him. They got a boatload of picks. They turned those picks into somebody. They got a really good quarterback to replace them. They took a chance. It's like, you know what? We're the line. We don't ever do this. We don't ever win. The, and in three years, they have completely turned their team around. Yes. Yes, they have. Yeah. And and they got great news this week that Ben, or uh, today, that Ben Johnson is going to stay on the Lions staff as offensive coordinator. So it, maybe they lose Aaron Glenn, but defense hasn't been that good anyway. So the Lions. Chances, okay, you know, it's like, you say about 50, 55% they make. 
I, and that's, that's, that's conservative because I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I don't. That's to me like a pretty, I mean, that seems pretty reasonable to say it's a 50-50. I get, I. Yeah, maybe it's, it's a 70% it's chance he makes one of them. So at that point, you've got a tie game. What are the chances? This is all about, this all, the whole discussion is about percentages mm-hmm. and the likelihood of something happening. What's the likelihood of making the field goal? versus completing the fourth down. So what are the chances then in that situation that they stop San Francisco from scoring 50 seconds left, one timeout? What are the chances that the Lions win the game and their defense, which gave up, I think, five scores mm-hmm. in the second half? What are the chances that they stop them? Well, and Brock Purdy gets it at the 25, one time out, either he's down three or tied, are you thinking, all right, the Lions are probably going to win this or go to overtime, or are you thinking, I think San Francisco is probably going to drive down the field and at least get three points? See, I have more faith in Badgley than I do Moody because I've seen Moody miss field goals. If I haven't seen Badgley miss a field goal yet... I'm gonna I'm gonna send that out. That would alt that would change my perspective and decision making moving forward. By not and I, I would say right there, you you see a kicker miss a field goal. But he's a rookie. Badgley's been That's in the fine. league Whatever for years. The rookie's been kicking for for ten years. I'm sure. He you see a kicker miss a field goal, and that makes you hesitant about putting him out there again. No. Yes. Right. Yes. And then I I look at the Lions. And every time they go for it on fourth down, I say, well, shit, they got it. And they go for it again on fourth down, and they got it again. And they went for it on fourth down again, and they got it again. And 75% of the time they go for it, and they get it. But, but, like, Dan Campbell would say, yes, we are going to go for it, because most of the time, 80% of the time when I go for it, we get it. But let's, so that's what the deal of let's We're say, probably going to get this fourth down, because we usually do. Let's say they have four fourth downs on one drive and they convert the first three, and then they have fourth and three at the 17, and they get don't get it. Whereas if you kick a field goal, or you attempt the field goal, you get those three points. Was it worth going for it on fourth down there? No. It all depends. Okay, that's a 34-yard field goal. I thought, you know, at that point, you feel like, okay, you've, you've converted three of these. What's the likelihood of converting a fourth? And a lot of this is the yardage on the field goals. They attempted a thirty-yarder, I think, in I, the game. I think anything they, anything above fifty, I'm I'm more hesitant. I would be a little more hesitant on, especially outdoors. Fifty or forty-nine and under, I'm take I'm kicking it until it, it unless it's badly missed. And with Moody, he didn't miss it by much. Same thing with uh, uh, Anders Carlson. The week before, you don't, you don't need to miss it by an inch. You don't need to miss it by ten feet. Right, oh, but I can I tell if you're gonna if you're or how was he in warm-ups? Like that's and, fine. And, kickers were four of eight the last three ones. No, so but I like need to again. They're, they're they're rookie kickers though that are kicking in those games. That the, the that's where analytics doesn't always factor in the experience, the conditions, the the crowd. They they can't take into account the moment. They're looking at just probability. You have to factor all I don't that like, in. I think you are more confident that Michael Bagley hits those than I do. Yes. You think, and I, I'm not. 
Again, he's only been there for a month or in the last four games of the year or so. And he had never... He had not attempted to kick outside because they'd been at home for this last month and they played in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. In the last, so he had, he had not kicked an outdoor. So I don't like putting that kicker... He's not kicked a... Then get it, since then, the hell he was last year. Then get a different kicker. Then get a better kicker that you can that you know can kick outdoors. That's, and who would that be? That's an again that I that's the know. indictment on Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell for not putting. I still don't know what happened to Riley Patterson. He looked to be pretty good. I don't know how he got to play. With but then that isn't that then on the Lions for not having him be the active kicker and having him be on the practice squad. That's like. That's why, why is Josh Reynolds not just getting right over the Colts? Why, why are these drops not the story? Because when these are like more like I, you know, the because the when they convert the field goals are hypotheticals. Because when they uh, converted on fourth down, we're not praising Sam Laporta or jo, uh, Jameer Gibbs. We're not praising Josh Reynolds and Jamison Williams for making the catch. We're praising Dan Campbell for his aggressiveness and his we decision. Can't, like, we're not those people. We can say, hey. Josh Reynolds, good catch. Or Josh Reynolds, bad catch. You know, why Like, why isn't that the story, though? Like, it, then that's the near- it seems like it's too convenient to say, well, the coach went forward on fourth down. It was his decision. Let's disregard what the actual play was. Right, but then that... Like, it seems like the coach gets the blame when it happens, but the player should get the credit when it's good. But they okay, don't. They credit, like they credit Campbell when it works, and then, then we're not going to blame him when it doesn't. That's the whole thing. You, like, there's, not, like there's nothing to blame him for for the guy dropping the ball. Like There's nothing Dan Campbell could have done. But there's nothing to give him credit for them when they make the catch on fourth down. You can give him a little credit. No, you can't. Because then you can give him blame. You don't got to give him all. You give him like 20% of the credit. You can give him then blame when it doesn't work. I can give him like, but what, 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 the play, like, what, what is he, what, what did he do that he did? He that chose he, to uh, go for it rather than kick a field goal and put points on the board. But what if he kicks it and he misses? Then that changes the way the rest, that That's he it. will call that, the rest. Is that also that Dan Campbell's fault? Well, then, you, you know what? I'm going to say no. It should be right it's like that. It's his fault. Okay. If he chooses yeah, to kick it and the kicker misses. But he, but he didn't choose. So, okay. Yeah, then, yeah, you can blame him. The kicker's fault for kicking it, but I, I will trust him to know what his kicker can and cannot do. I will trust him to know what his offense can and cannot do. And it couldn't do anything in the second half. So, that's, again... You got it. You got to know situational football if you're Campbell, and he didn't. We talk about so, like it's kind of right. It's been a lengthy year to wrap this up. Yeah, like Rocco Ball. Don't we kind of like? Why does Rocco Baldelli bring Emilio Pagan in? Because he's a fucking. Idiot. No, I know, but he's he's going off of statistics and analytics and and he's everything. Not though, because he sucks. Like he had a really good end of the year, but but they but they never put him in. A situation where it was close, where they had a lead. Was I, was, I, I was just going to go. You could throw it down. So. Well, how many times did we say, why haven't they put in this guy to throw it more often? Why, you know, why is uh, Johan Duran not pitching more and stuff? Why yeah. are you putting him in the eighth inning? It's because Baldelli they're, doesn't. They're not aggressive like that. 
But no, I'm just saying he's he's looking more at the numbers and like the, like well, we it, don't want him to throw 35 pitches, and we want him for tomorrow. Even though tomorrow's game could be 10 nothing, where we don't need him, right? Or we may go an entire week without needing our best pitcher. So it's like, let's, let's say again, the saving him for the ninth inning is or like one the, of my or like teams. the. BPI saying the Heat only had a three percent chance to beat the Celtics. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about last week. So, Two weeks left in the season. The Buffalo Bills I saw had a twenty-five percent chance to win their division. Yes. I needed that to be explained to me how that was that low because they had New England week seventeen. Yes. And then Miami played at Baltimore? Yes. And then they, I think it's... And know. those two games went as you would expect. Yes. Yep. And then week 18, it's a winner-take-all Buffalo at Miami. Yep. Which is basically a toss-up game. Mm-hmm. So how is that 25%? It's a great question. This is why analytics and win probability and or like the probability and stuff. Too many people that like aren't like into sports are getting into sports with their numbers, and it's. I I don't. I don't. I like. I like some of the in-game stuff. I don't like the the out-of-game stuff. I don't like the. Here are your playoff odds. Yes. Yeah. It's like you don't know what's going to happen in a given game. You don't know what's going to happen. In a game, like you can maybe pinpoint a play like this. It's like I like my chances to convert this fourth down versus kicking. Mm-hmm. But but to say, well, you know, Vikings have a with this win, the Vikings have a seventy percent chance to make the playoffs. If they lose, it goes down to thirty percent. Yes. Yep. It's like, well, you don't, you're not accounting for the Arizona Cardinals upsetting the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. You're not accounting for the Cleveland Browns beating San Francisco. You're not accounting for for the Chiefs losing to the Jets. It's like upsets happen every week. So I don't care for the playoff odds, 25% chance of this. Yep. But I, I don't I, – I think that – that if, if that's analytics or the probability, I don't like that probability part of it. And, and with the in-game things, it's all about, like Chris Long said, it's the context. All right, sometimes they got it. All right, fourth and one you should go for. Like, fourth and one you should probably go for every time. It's okay. Am I the Eagles going for it or am I the Bears? Am I playing the Kansas City Chiefs defense this year or am I playing the Cardinals or the Lions? Or are you the Vikings trying to get an inch with Nick Mullins on third and fourth down? Or, like, what? And, again, I don't like that because it's – there's too many other factors of just saying, well, go for it, don't go for it. Well, who is your offense? What is their offense? What are the conditions? And again, I don't like kicking a field goal in San Francisco. If this is in Detroit, I like his chances of making those field goals. If this team is in the Dome, I would say maybe you try a field goal on one of those. And I think maybe he probably would have because it was indoors. So I think he's also playing the conditions. Um... And if they, okay, they, they make both of these field goals, what are the chances that they win? I would say... They, they, would, they do what everybody wants them to do. Yep. They take very easy, automatic 48 to 50-yard field goals. 
They make both of them. Mm-hmm. They score. Do they win? Do, uh, yeah. That's not a guarantee either. People are just thinking, oh, this was – you were down by two, and this was a 20-yard field goal to win the game. Well, but, no, this was – No, see, but I think, it again, it's situational football because if they kick the field goal at the on that first drive of the second half and get up by 17 – all of a sudden, San Francisco's back down again now by three scores. That's going to change. But what happened after that? But that would that's going to change the way San Francisco calls the game by them not converting is that. It You're down, is, is, is it a big difference down fourteen versus down seventeen? Yes, because it's three possessions versus two. What? So does the, does Jameer Jameer Gibbs not fumble then if they kick that field goal? Does that change? Because they because once they. So they, they, okay, let's say they kick the field goal. They're yep. on 27-10. Yep. It took San Francisco five plays to score. It took them a minute 40. Yep. A, a 17-yard pass to Debo Samuel. Uh, you have the the crazy pass to Ayuk. Yep. That one right there. But again. Like, if you just intercept that ball, you probably win the game. Mm-hmm. You have it with six and a half minutes to go. You're inside your own five. Yep. But you prevent them by scoring. You're still up 14. And you score. There was a third and six on that drive. Mm-hmm. A third and six. They stopped them twice. Yep. You hold them to a field goal there. You're still up. Whatever you're up. Maybe they go for it on fourth down. But then the very next play, Jameer Gibbs fumbles. And then it takes them all of four plays and two minutes to score. So if you kick the field goal there... You're up 27-24 still. You're not tied. You're up three points instead of tied. Then on your very next drive, you go three and out where you gain one yard. And then the very next drive, it's a field goal, so you're tied at 27. Yep. And then you have the other fourth down. You're tied at 27. Yep. Okay, kick the field goal there, you're up. Yep. 30-27, 30-27, what does San Francisco do? They score another touchdown. Yeah, get you, but you, you're not taking, you're, it's all the momentum is with them. You don't know where the they would get, be at, at the yard line, you know, after the kickoff. You don't know and if they call, maybe, and maybe, I don't know. If they call do things different, but they call things maybe. different then because they would be down by three Good. versus up by three. So I can't say, and maybe Detroit gets more conservative because they're up 17, I don't know. So I think it's too convenient for people to say, well, just make these field goals, you'd win the game. Well, no, because it changes everything. If you make it, if you miss it. So even if they make it, I am not, I am 50-50 on if they, if they go for it, and you have to assume a lot of things, you have to assume that they make them, both of them, I still don't think they win. I think they had. I honestly, I think they would have won. You again? I just, and I look back. I just, would have had to have stopped him on that last drive. I, just, I, did not see I, I don't understand why they would kick the field goal at the end of the first half versus. I think that stunned everyone. That Dan Campbell would not try and go for the juggler, go up twenty-eight to seven. It's all about momentum. Momentum doesn't always factor into the probability. It was a thirty-yard field. The um, the fourth and one that you were talking about in the Ravens game that was when they were trailing seven to nothing. That was with six thirty seven to go in the first quarter. They did have another fourth. Another one too. There was a yep. There was a fourth and three 
from their 18 with 847 to go when they were down by 10. That was a six-yard completion to Odell Beckham. You have to go for that one because, yes. I mean, that's the game. Right? Yes. Yep. You have to go for that one. The other one, though, they were only down 7 and nothing, but still in there, and it was, it was at the... Uh, they went for it. They went for it. They got it. I liked it. I liked going for it because, you know, who knows how that game played out. The way the Chiefs looked on that first drive, it's like, yeah, if we give them the ball back, we're going to be down 14 up. Like, we need to keep the football. It's a fourth and one. Uh, we should be able to convert this. And they did. It only went for a touchdown. I am okay being aggressive in, in that matter. See, so. if they, but if they had uh, not gotten that, then Kansas City is going to. Score and they, and, and they did re- and they did regardless. So it ended up being a moot point. That game, Buffalo tried that horrendous fake punt. Yeah, that was awful. And what happened? It didn't work. It was bad. If you're gonna go for it, just go for it. Yeah. Line up your guys, fourth and five, whatever it was. And that's the the only thing I can think of that they they tr- decided to run the fake punt there is because Kansas City only had 10, sure. 10 guys on the field. So, and that's another thing where it's well, we like our chances here because we're 11 or 10. And what happened on the next drive? Kansas City would have scored if it had not been for Nicole Hardman fumbling out of the end zone. But they did it. So it's like not every. I think part of the reason why people don't like to go for it on fourth down is the fear of not getting it and what could happen. For the other team's offense, like, well, if we don't get this, we're going to give them a ball at the 30-yard line, and they're going to score. Well, Kansas City had it, and they didn't score, and you got the ball back, but that and no one scored. When they did this, it was a very risky play. It did not happen. Yep. And that's because Michael Hardman whatever you want to call it, fumbled in the worst, worst call in football. Uh, the I think that's touchdown. part of it because people are so scared of be negative. Like, if we don't get this, we're going to give the other team a great shot versus, well, if we do get this, what what is the positive? What is, why are we going for this? Because we want to score points or we want to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all has to do with the outcome for a lot of people. It was 10 to 10 in the second quarter last week. Detroit goes for the fourth and one. They score against Tampa Bay. If they don't get that, they may not win that game. That was a huge play. If they, if they had stopped there, they maybe don't win. That was a huge play. It was a gamble or a shot, and it paid off. And and everyone and praised the, the and, so and everyone praised Dan Campbell here. Um, Lions, great year. Terrible second half. I'm not interested in the Super Bowl whatsoever. Um, Clemson's won one. The Astros have won one. We're going to try to get the Lions. Okay. The Super Bowl here. Well, so let's, I'm thinking, obviously, I'm picking them to win it all next year. Can we try and get I the think, Vikings to the Super Bowl, too? Like that would no, be... I've, I've tried that. I've tried that. That's not going to happen. Well, um, the Ravens... So, pick- no, I think the Lions are the favorite next year in the NFC. We saw what they did against San Francisco. They mauled them. Their offensive line 
absolutely kick their ass. Yep. The only reason why they lost is nothing that San Francisco did. They just couldn't catch footballs that were wide open. Catch the football, and you're probably playing in the Super Bowl. So you are. Do that. Catch the football. That's the the thing. I will. I will. I'll remember the fourth downs maybe. But when I think about this game, I'll think about the drops. That is the number one, two, three, four, and five things. I will. Josh Reynolds with two drops. Sam Laporta with a drop. Jameson Williams uh, dropping a touchdown. But then the, why the, would you? The why would you? That interception. Dropping those balls. Why would you trust them to convert a fourth down then if they've had all the drops? That's what I. But you, you can't. You, you assume they're not going to drop the ball. But then you're going to. You, you can't, can't assume. You can't assume it's that the field goal is going to be missed. You can't play scared and say, "Well, they're going to drop the ball." You can't play scared and say, "We're not going to make a field goal." I think you probably would have missed it. Well, um, the Ravens picked a bad game to play their worst game of the year. Very a lot of personal foul penalties. Um, like they, they, a complete meltdown. Lamar Jackson, we both agree, should not be winning the MVP. And this game proved it. I wish that I would hope that he doesn't win the MVP. It should go to Christian oh, McCaffrey well, or Brock. It's been, it's been. Yeah, it, it, he's going to win. It's ridiculous. He, it, it's ridiculous that he is. I mean, this was his moment. Yes. Yep. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy played like Lamar Jackson. He's running around. He's making plays. Yes. He's running for first down. It's like, why is Lamar Jackson not running? The Kansas City defense was excellent. There was nowhere to throw. Take off and run. It's like he did not want to run. Well, why didn't the Ravens run it in general? This is one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. Gus Edwards had three carries. He, like, uh, uh, Justice... Mind-bogglingly stupid... Todd Munkin, like his game plan, atrocious. They run the ball as well as anyone. And Kansas City, you know, I, uh, I don't know if you saw this. Steve Spagnuolo, the uh, Chiefs defensive coordinator, he uh, credited Chris Oladokun, uh Chiefs practice squad quarterback, former South Dakota State Jackrabbit, for, um, for preparing his defense because he ran the scout team as Lamar Jackson. And he didn't run around either, like Lamar Jackson didn't? Well, I think that they just knew, like, he kind of utilized his skill set. I mean, Lamar didn't really have a lot of places to run. The, 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 the one, the fourth how down... How many design did they have a design? They, that fourth down was a design run. Yes, and I was just going to say that fourth and one you were talking about. So, this, so you have you the greatest thought, running quarterback of all time. You would have thought that Lamar should have should have scored there, like with how much open yeah. field. I don't know how he didn't score. I don't know why he went down there. That was that was bizarre to me, very baffling. So, so, to go into any game and not and, and you know if, if the game's decided, that's fine. But to go into any game and not to have any designed runs for Lamar Jackson is criminal. Yes, so, we're, we're not. Especially in a game like this where it's it's close, your, your offense is struggling. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's try something where we get him outside for once. Let's do a, a fake reverse. Let's do a, a fake sweep. Let's get the defense going one way, him going the other. It was criminal as well. Yes. And Zay Flowers had a, a good, awful bad game because he did catch a touchdown. He had over 100 yards receiving. He had the taunting penalty. 
He fumbled it at the half-yard line when the Ravens could have made it a three-point game. He cut his finger then after that and discussed Lamar Jackson was frustrated. Like, the Ravens... So, I, I think we're going to get to the point now with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, especially if it's at home, because now Lamar is just 1-3 in, in the postseason at home. You almost can't pick Baltimore until they prove it to you. And you this, was, this was it. If they... All of the teams that we said prove it, I guess San Francisco was the one that did. But Dallas didn't, Buffalo didn't, Baltimore didn't. Yep. They all failed exactly like they always, always, always do. And Kansas City now has won two road playoff games. They hadn't had to go on the road at all in the Mahomes era. So now that is put to bed now that, oh, you know, if the Chiefs go on the road, you know, they're out of the friendly confines of Arrowhead Stadium. Watch out, they're doomed. No, Patrick Mahomes and, and company said no. Travis Kelsey, 11 catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. By the way, good on Taylor Swift for telling CBS to get her off the TV. Did you, uh, did you see that at all? I was going to mention that. I said they showed a promo for the Grammys, and there was somebody in the booth saying, please get off me, please. Yes, and it was Taylor Swift. And that please was her off. herself. Yeah, please get off. So is she also sick like I am of her on my TV? She probably is. But so is she, a, is she a Trump supporter? No, she is not. No, is, she, she, is she a Republican? No, she is not. Does she hate women? No, she does not. But she doesn't want Taylor Swift on the TV. Because anybody who wants Taylor Swift on the TV, who doesn't want her on there, is a terrible person. <laughs> could it be that she also is tired of herself on the fucking television? Yeah, it very well could be. So what, is, what does that make that conversation then of she's always on the TV, she's shown many times during the game. Mm-hmm. So what does that make it that she is also sick of it? And if somebody else says, no, this is great, we love it. I bet she would say, no, this sucks. Do not say that. This is not great. That's, that, that is something that's not going to be brought up because it's going to be the same shit we've seen for the last three months here, these next two weeks. It's like Taylor Swift would probably disagree with the people that say, "Oh, this is great that they keep showing her." No, it's not. I think if I think if for those there are a certain there's a certain portion of fans that enjoy seeing Taylor Swift on the TV. The vast majority of people are tired of seeing her, yourself included. Uh, but I am. Why am I tired when I am not obviously a Trump or Republican? No, uh, no, no. I, I'm saying, yeah, you're just, you're tired of seeing her on TV. You're not tired of her or the like the relationship with Travis Kelsey, like like. What I I with that relationship, I don't care about. Right, right. But that that's what I'm saying is that you you are you are in the portion of. I'm I just the minority don't... again. I feel like I'm a. Native American in South Dakota, I'm a vast minority here yes. in everything I say. No, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from, and I completely get it. I, I am not saying anything. You are right in your opinion here that they show her too much on on television, and you. Like if they showed, if they showed Lady Gaga, if they showed Katy yeah. Perry, yep. whoever the girlfriend would be, I'd be all right. Enough of this. Enough of showing this woman. Yes. After every Isaiah Pacheco touch. Yes. He's my go-to. Yep. yep. So, so what, okay, then, then, kind of the dumbest thing I, I, I see every night is after the news on Kello at 6.30. Mm-hmm. As, as long as I can remember in my life, lineups change, afternoon lineups change, they switch family feud around and Jeopardy and yep. Oprah used to be on and all this stuff. Yep. 
as long as I can remember my entire life, Entertainment Tonight has been on at 6.30 yes. after the news on Kello. Yep. Is that the way it is for you, or what's... Yes. Yes. Always on after the news at 6.30? Yes. And I always see it, and I, 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 I see the open, and I see how stupid it is, and I see how that would seem to me to be the worst job known to man to talk about the shit they talk about on a nightly basis. Kevin Frazier used to host SportsCenter. Like, why would you do that? Why would you trade that for that? Say, I'm going to, probably a money decision. Yeah. I'm going to talk about what George Clooney is doing, what the Kardashians are doing, all of this meaningless shit. Mm-hmm. And everybody loves the Taylor Swift stuff. I like Michael Jordan. I also like Randy Moss. Those are my two favorite athletes of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit who they're married to. I don't give a shit about their dating, their relationships. I would get sick of it if this was one of my favorite players. Right. And he's on the, like, I, I don't care about anybody's girlfriend or wife or yeah, that... personal whatever. Like, I don't. Yep. I could not care any less about any of it. It doesn't excite me. It's not interesting to me. I don't give a shit why they're together. I don't care what they do together. Mm-hmm. I don't care that she's at the game. I wouldn't care if it was somebody I liked. It's of no interest to me at all. Yep. So explain to me why people are interested in any of this stuff, specifically this stuff. They're celebrities, I guess. People like both of them. Yep. Some they people like together. People, you, know, you have the big Taylor Swift fans, and you, you there's just always the oh, you know, George Clooney and Sandra Bullock, or you know, whoever, you know, Julie Roberts. It, it's just that's their, you know, their. We love sports. sports. They, they love. And, you know what? Don't show me during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, you, I, there, there's just a portion. Everyone is different and wants to. Do you think they would go for that? Say, you know what? We're going to go with your honor, your wishes, and say, you know what? You obviously, based on your reaction someday, don't want to be on camera. You're sick of this shit. Yep. And obviously, she's going to be shown many times during the Super Bowl. Yep, because she is going to be able to get there. She's in. She finishes. Oh her, God! Thank God. Hopefully, she doesn't miss the goddamn game. She, well, she finishes her concert in Tokyo Saturday. You know, it's like Saturday night in Tokyo, and she would be able to get there by Saturday night Vegas time. That's already been you know determined. Thank I, God. We, we, thank God. I don't know if it's confirmed that she will be there. I really like it. I don't have a problem with it. I am I'm pretty invested in this relationship. I can't tell you why. I'm a very well, odd. Why, why you are into this? Why are you into this? Like I, you I, are. I, I like. You say the Chiefs are your second favorite team? Yes, I I like I like Travis Kelsey. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I like her. You're uh, a big Taylor Swift fan. I I, I yes I, I I'm a fan of Taylor Swift. I'm a I'm a fan of, of just her in general. I think she gets a lot of shit that she doesn't deserve. So maybe that's more I, like I'm trying to push back on that, and that's why I like her. I think she's pretty, and I mean I'm gonna be I'm actually gonna be attracted to attractive women. So there there's that aspect of it. I just think she's a great individual. She gives back to the community. She like at all her concert stops, she is donating money to the food shelves that everyone talks about her like tipping hundred dollars uh to 
you know, the, the sweet workers at the stadium. So she's just a wonderful person, and I don't understand why everyone hates her. But I like her. I, I really do. Uh, I think her music's very good. Um, I'm not going to shell out thousands of dollars to go to a concert, but I don't mind her at all. I really like that she and Travis Kelsey are together. I think that's just unique. I think Travis Kelsey is a very unique individual. And I also, I think I'm more amplified by this because the right constantly attacks Travis Kelsey and Aaron Rodgers attacks him and they're they're scared by Taylor Swift and her popularity and how she might make voters go like go to Democrat. I mean she she endorsed Joe Biden in 2020. So now with even more I'm sure I would wear a Biden 24 shirt to this I mean she's like they're already talking it, 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 like she's done nothing politically at all this entire season so right. it's just stupid I mean they're yeah, obviously dumb you know it is dumb I'm not I'm not saying that that's what that's what Newsmax they, they, they just make stuff up out of thin air they do they, it, it's it's bad it, it, we, we live in the dumbest time in the history of civilization yes yes yep. there's never been a dumber time ever Yep, I would agree. You with think that. With technology and internet, all this would be the the golden age of intelligence. This is the opposite. Yeah, no, I, I agree we're with we're that. We're in the golden age of stupidity. So there you go. So uh, Chiefs Forty Nine ers, we will preview that Super Bowl. And it's also say, okay, you start, and this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's the quarterback. It's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and everybody else. It is the defense why they are here. The defense. You talk about yes. giving credit and blame to whoever and who else. It is the defense. Oh, yes. Yes, the defense. Because the Chiefs no didn't score a point in the second half. The defense did it all. They were incredible. They've been incredible all year. But now you're starting I mean, to see. They're not getting any credit in this. It's all Patrick Mahomes. No, 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 Steve. Very good against Buffalo. Steve Spagnuolo is getting a lot of credit. Uh, they even said it during the game. They've said it afterward. That's, uh, everyone is praising Steve Spagnuolo. I think, and honestly, Travis Kelsey is getting more praise than Mahomes is because Kelsey had 11 catches on 11 targets for 116 yards and a touchdown. He made great catches. If that, okay, let's assume that game was the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Who do you think would have won MVP? Travis Kelsey. I think it probably would have been Mahomes. Maybe Travis Kelsey. Could have been somebody on the defense. It's hard to maybe pinpoint, well, it's this guy or it's that guy. The only one I think you could... Sneed Sneed had the fumble. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the only one I could put down would be Sneed. Like last year in in the Super Bowl against Philadelphia, I said Nick Bolton should have won MVP. I think it's criminal that Mahomes won it. Nick Bolton made two plays. He had the touchdown. He almost had two touchdowns. I mean, he was he was the difference maker in the Super Bowl last year. So I vehemently disagreed with them giving it to Mahomes last year. Like, Nick, uh, a tight end is never won. Like you could see Travis Kelsey winning because the rest of their receivers are so awful. Yes, Rishi. But if he has a, he's coming along. But if you've got a big day for him, then it's going to be at least an okay day for Mahomes and it's going to take a lot for him not to win it. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to take somebody that somebody's going to have to have three sacks. Yep. Somebody, you know, Chris Jones is going to have to force fumbles or somebody's yep. going to have to get multiple interceptions and they're going to have to score on defense for and I don't yeah, not to win it. And I don't know how Nick Bolton didn't win it last year given that Mahomes was just so-so. And uh, yes, he made plays late, but Nick and now Bolton. and now all of a sudden everybody 
thinks Brock Purdy's the greatest quarterback in the world. He played awful against the Packers. He, but when it mattered most, he came through. But I agree with you in general. It was he not a great game. He threw a pretty bad interception yes. against Detroit at the beginning of the game. He uh, a, that he one, his it. his hand got hit. You could see on the. Well, he, he, he turned the ball over and he had the drop interception. Yep. And what Ryan Clark was like, oh, you know, he's not in the discussion with these guys. And then two weeks, like eight days later, oh, he's he's above all of these guys now. He's. Because oh, he beat the Packers. Yeah. Oh, I, I, and he beat the Lions. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was I was referring to the interception he threw against Detroit. Not the. Oh, I mean, he should have thrown at least yeah, three Detroit, interceptions and the against Detroit. Detroit. One is the ball was tipped, and, and yeah. it was a yeah. Yeah. But it's like that's all it took. Yeah. Two games in which the the first game, I don't think anybody would say he played well. No, no, absolutely and, not. And, you know, he played out of his mind in the second half. He played awful in the first half. Mm-hmm. He averages those those out. So so game, but because. His team won, mm-hmm. and Detroit fucked it away with fumbles and drops. Now Brock Purdy. So I, the only thing I care about is him winning a Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to happen because the Chiefs, with their defense, I don't. They're just not going to lose. The mm-hmm. thing I like about sports is that you don't know what's going to happen. Yep. But you know that the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. We hope. We can only hope. It's just, again, I this am is, beyond tired of them. It's six years in a row. This is a win-win Super Bowl for me because if the Chiefs win, I will love it. My father-in-law will love it. Um, and if the 49ers, and if the if the 49ers win, then I won't mind it because I picked San Francisco to beat Kansas City at the beginning of the year. So this is a win-win for me all across the board. So I am. I am uh, I'm looking forward to this. I you know I I, I get that people wanted Detroit in there because it'd be new blood. Oh, we want Lamar Jackson in there. I'm looking forward to this Super Bowl. Over 55.7 million people watched the AFC Championship game. Fifty six and a half or fifty six point six million watched the NFC Championship game. Massive ratings uh, up significantly from last year. Both games. I think the AFC Championship game was the most watched AFC Championship game of all time. And on, like just to bring it back to Taylor Swift for a second, I saw that uh, like she has brought three hundred and thirty-one million dollars in uh, into the NFL through I'm assuming viewership and people are buying stuff. Well, how how is that three hundred? Like how is that? I, I don't know. It's just how many it's, more people are watching because she's on the screen for I, five seconds at a time. I, I think so because you got more Swifties to uh, into the game uh, watching the game. Three hundred, really three hundred million dollars. Th- that's that's the estimate. I don't know how they estimate those numbers out, but that's the that's they're the report. Out of their ass, um, let's go to baseball here. Uh, when, when, uh, yeah. I really don't want to watch this game. I really don't. I want to skip this game. I don't want to watch this. I started the first game 50 minutes late. Mm-hmm. I caught up by the start of the third quarter. I started the Lions game half hour late. I was caught up by halftime. So Paul Garrett. Number two, Mitchell versus number four, St. Paul's Jones. Yeah. Um, so I, I could, with the Super Bowl, what time is it going to start? 5.18? What's the stupid I, time this I, year? I think they have it set at 5.30 this year, believe it or and not. They were not very good. I remember maybe the one in Los Angeles. Sure, it's fucked in at 
That's you had the Rock out there. They're like five, ten minutes behind. I could probably start this game at seven thirty and still get get it done. But, but with the, the Super Bowl, you want to watch these commercials. Yes, commercials have not been good in a long time, so I will be fine. Don't you skipping think it's dumb now that very least skipping the commercials? Don't you think that it's dumb that we have commercials now that are previewing the commercials that we're going to see? Like, oh, look for more, like, um, like at, yeah. on the Super Bowl. Like, give me a break. Stop, stop. That it's it's stupid. Yeah, no, sir. Um, it is dumb. So if I watch it, it will be at seven seven thirty, and we will skip through all of this shit. Okay. The halftime show, no thing. Oh, yeah, I don't care about Usher. Usher, Usher, Usher. Like, I, I mean, Christ, is he... Like, how does he have enough songs to... That's like, I... Oh, and that's part of the... If I can skip that, it can be the big... All right, we're going to skip this 30-minute halftime show, and that'll be a big... Yep. Big windfall to, to skip ahead. So. See, why wouldn't they have Taylor Swift performing at halftime? I think they did ask, and she said no. Um... Quit showing her on camera. She herself doesn't want to be shown. Quit showing her. Yes. Quit forcing her out there, please. Uh, let's go to baseball here. Congratulations to Joe Maurer, Todd Helton, and Adrian Beltre, right? The, those are the three. Oh, the three. And Jim Leland, a couple months ago, the manager, got voted in by the old folks. So I'll be those four. So congrats to them. Uh, Maurer is a uh, – I think that – Todd Helton's a little bit of a polarizing figure to some just because of him playing at Coors Field and, you know, kind of like Larry Walker, you have some inflated stats. I have seen some very anti-Joe Maurer Hall of Fame number or Hall of Fame um, stuff. Stu Gotts on, on, uh, from the Dan Levitard show, very anti-Joe Maurer. Uh as a first ballot Hall of Famer, even Hall of Famer in general. I mean, he went through uh, on like... Who is this? Who uh, is this? Stu Gotts from the Dan Levitard show. Uh, if you... Monday's show, uh, just listen to his um, weekend observations he talks about. it. He talks about like how Michael Kadire had a better year than Joe Maurer when he won his MVP. Jason Kubel. Uh, oh, that's So... So Joe Maurer, we're very glad that he got in. Um, he deserves it because uh, it's not it's not just that he you know that I think Stugatz also said oh he was zero and ten in the playoff yeah that has something to do with it but he's also catcher the average was great um, yeah congrats he's to, one of the ten best catchers ever yes yes and if and if he wasn't a catcher he wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame but you got to take into account no. the position right and I mean, if he wasn't a catcher he wouldn't have had a concussion. Right. Like if he was a first baseman, his numbers would be better because one of that a concussion. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, being a catcher, I'm glad he got in right away. Yep. He, he was he was really good. I agree. I agree. I'm glad he got in. I'm just saying there's there's that there is a segment out there that doesn't believe that Joe Maurer should be should be in, but. I'm glad he did. And then the Minnesota Twins made significant news Monday night by trading second baseman Jorge Polanco to Seattle for four prospects, or for uh, uh, outfielder pro- outfield prospect Gabriel Gonzalez, reliever Justin uh, Topa, starter Anthony Descalfani, and minor league pitcher Darren Bones. And I'm sorry, not four prospects, but four players slash prospects. Um, this would seem to be... 
a pretty decent trade uh, or a haul or a return for the Twins. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I was just looking at twin stuff, but then this popped up on Twitter saying, oh, they traded him to Seattle for four players. I'm like, what a deal that is. Yeah, I'm good with that. The bullpen guy looks good. Like last year was really his first year. He's like 32, 33. So wherever he's been for the last 10 years, he's finally made the majors. The, the prospect looks to be like that's going to make or break the trade if he's any good or not. The, yes, yep, Gabriel Gonzalez. He's still, still probably two years away from from joining. You know, 22, 23 years old at that point, so looks like a decent offensive player. Anthony Desclafani, he is okay. He's had a lot of injuries. He will be like their number five starter. So that adds depth. Not great depth, but he'll be... Like, if, if they get to the playoffs, he's not pitching in the playoffs or right. whatever that means to you. But you like the but you like Topa for the bullpen. Like, this to me feels yeah. like the trade last year for uh, that you trade away Luis Arise, a good hitter, yeah. a, a great hitter, got on base a lot, not a ton of power and stuff. You bring back a starting pitcher. It was a trade that worked out for both teams. I, almost, I think this is going to work out the same way for the Twins – and the Mariners, Mariners get a bat that they really have been searching for. You know, they, they've been trying to, um, you know, stock up on those in this offseason. And for the Twins, if these prospects, you know, if if these players, if the reliever, the bullpen, and if this, uh, you know, Gabriel Gonzalez pans out here in a year or two, then that's going to make this trade. But it feels like it's a win on both teams based on need. Yeah, good trade. We'll see how it comes out. And they also got $8 million in the trade. So they got a, got a good amount of money, and then they're going to do something else here. They're going to sign they'll sign somebody minor, and maybe they'll still wait for the trade Max Kepler. You do that, I'll be happy as hell. So, and that's going to be about it. They're not going to do much. I don't think they're making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're just, oh, we got the the... the the uh, annual winter update that Buxton's great and he's going to be in center field. And oh, good. We can all guess how many, you know, what point in May or June he'll be out for the rest of the year. And Carlos Correa with his plantar fasciitis in his foot, he's great, great and ready to go. And we can see how mediocre he'll be hitting 240 with 18 home runs this year. So... <laughs> Well, I'm starting to turn on the Twins here. I've been very, very supportive of the Twins. But after last year, and he went some playoff games, season was pretty disappointing in the regular season. You never really went on a run. You're in a bad division. You won some playoff games. And then to just follow that up with nothing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're, we're going to cut payroll by $30 million. We don't have a TV deal. I saw like a year or two ago they made like $15 million on local TV. Well, and, it, still, and they still haven't signed a deal yet. Amazon Prime bought uh, some of, if, if not five all. Five of them, but the Twins are out among those five. Unfortunately. Oh, so. I, thought they, I thought they had bought all Bally Sports. No, they, 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 they gave them a 
bunch of money and then yeah. all five of like the Tigers and a couple other teams are gotcha. okay. available on Amazon. So you can watch them there. The Twins not among those teams. So this is a, like they need to do something this year or else I'm just going to say, you know what, what, what's the point? They'll be good. They'll never win anything. You don't try to win. You don't try to, you know, it's, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting about done with the Twins. It's been about now. They're 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 even worse. But at least they've won the, the Royals. At least won a World Series. Yes. But it seems like, you know, twenty twenty five years. If you haven't done anything in twenty twenty five years, like all right, it's time to time to move on. It's time to. Well, it's thirty two uh, straight years now that the that the Twin Cities has not had a champion of any sort. Baseball, basketball. Even been to a championship game. Yeah. They haven't even they've been close, but they've never even gotten there. Right. That is, I would say, incredible. But the Wolves got to the Western Conference Finals one year. The Twins got to the ALCS one year. The uh, the Vikings have been to you know in the in the thirty two years at least what four or five NFC Championship games, and the Wild have been to one Conference Final. So it's not good. It's no. Not good. No, it is not. Um, let's uh, college basketball quick here. Just a few thoughts. I am I'm big on this one team here now that uh, they're they're ranked. I do I do I venture? Do, I want you to guess which team I'm really high on right now. Um, they are they're playing very good basketball. They have depth. They have good players across the board. They have a. Um, a coach with a with a um, with a name. Uh, uh, every coach has a name, but th- this guy's got a a, 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 a a familiar name, a well-known name. Is it Ed Cooley? Who is it? It is not Ed Cooley. Uh, Ed Cooley's um, Georgetown team not not doing very good. They're ranked now. They are ranked. Yep. I don't have the ranks there, and they weren't ranked before? They were ranked last week. They were ranked in the low 20s. Is it Iowa State? No, Iowa State. Nope, not Iowa State. I, I don't know. I got the rankings in front of me. Um, are they east or west or north or south? They are west. I don't know. New Mexico. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're good. They are good. They should have been ranked a while ago. They got Dick Patino's kid. Yep. Um, they they should be good. I like them as well. Yes. This is a I I watched uh the, the first half, and then I fell asleep after the the championship games on Sunday. But I watched the first half of this game. This house is uh is pretty good. They play great defense. Uh, they just seem to have this a, a lot of stuff like really locked. In. Jamal Mashburn Jr. Like he's on there. Um, I mean that's. That's fairly significant. And if you look at what New Mexico has done here just recently, they've beaten Utah State. They've beaten Boise State. I mean, they're beating all of these teams. I think they beat San Diego State here, too. I'm pulling up that. So I know the Mountain West is going to get like four or five teams in here, and they don't always have success in the NCAA tournament. Uh, But. I am very high right now on New Mexico. I know you had mentioned Memphis here a couple weeks ago. New Mexico, another team that I really think we need to keep an eye on. 
maybe get like a five seed, maybe. Um, Six seed. Uh, I I'm gonna say I've seen eight? them as a. I've seen them as a seven seed. I think Lenardi's latest bracketology had them yeah. as a seven seed playing ten seed at Texas. And then, Michigan and Michigan State at a four. Where's Michigan State at now? Eight. I don't know how. It's, oh, they keep losing, Stacker. How are they fucking at eight? I, I what don't, do they need to do? I don't know because it's interesting because Jerry Palm, and I, I trust Lenardi more on bracketology than I do Jerry Palm from CBS Sports. But, but Palm has Michigan State as one of the last four teams in. He has them in a playing yes, that game. Makes a whole lot, like, how can you be that far off? Yeah, I don't know. I I do not know. Um, but uh, Lenardi has New Mexico as a seven seed in Salt Lake City. They would play ten seed in Texas. And then if New Mexico were to win that game, they would play two seed Arizona. And Arizona has not been impressive here lately. Salt Lake City, a lot of New Mexico fans could get to that game. That screams uh, a seven two upset to me right now, based on what I'm seeing, like where we're at now. That could obviously change throughout the next month plus. But New Mexico over Arizona, New Mexico against Arizona, sign me up for that game right now. Yeah, Arizona. Again, is a team that's it's so tough to like pick a seven or a ten to knock one of these. Like, you're never going to pick a fifteen or a sixteen seed, right? But you don't know who's going to win the seven ten game or the eight nine game. Mm-hmm. Knock off Purdue or Arizona. So you just take Purdue or Arizona to go to the Sweet 16. But then what team knocks them out there? The 4 seed, the 5 seed, the 12 seed? Yep. So you know these teams aren't going to make it that far. But who is the team that knocks them out? That's that's the difficult part of it. I, I really like UNC. UNC plays Duke this week on Saturday. That's a big game there. Uh, I think UNC wins that one. UNC playing very good basketball right now. Uh, if I... I'll be honest, I, like Purdue to me has a pretty easy path, I would say, to the, for sure, the Sweet 16. I'm going to say the Elite Eight. I like Auburn, but they had a couple of bad losses last week against Alabama. I think they lost to Mississippi State then as well. Kansas is in the region right now. I would say maybe Kansas could take out Purdue in the Elite Eight, but that's... Did they lose? They lost to somebody. Uh, uh, yes, Kansas lost to Iowa State. All right. Why? I mean, I think everybody agrees with this statement. T.J. Otzelberger's polos are a size too small. (laughs) I mean, they have been for 10 years now. Maybe he was spying on, uh, who did he spy on, Kansas State? Or is it Baylor? I don't know. Some some Big 12 team accused them of spying, and maybe he was spying to see if he could buy get a better pair of pants. Let's get a bigger shirt. What? Like, he's not a big guy, but his shirt always looks tight. Like, every year, it's like, that is a tight shirt. It is. Like, you look at him, like, yeah, that's a, like, quit wearing that. I would agree. I would agree. There's not much he can do right for me. (laughs) Uh... UNC is a one seed right now. They Lenardi has them in a bracket with Kentucky, Iowa State, and Arizona. I I don't like that at all. I think that would be tough. UConn a one seed. They would they would seemingly breeze in. They're in a, a bracket with two seed Wisconsin. Sure, sign me up for Connecticut. I mean, it's gonna be yep. 
it is going to be tough for me not to pick them to win it all. I I absolutely agree. Um, the all other... of these teams have just bad losses. You look at I mean you look at Kentucky. You never know what Kentucky team is going to show up. Yep, they they got they, they, they could lose any game. They got blown up by South Carolina and barely beat a bad Arkansas team. Yeah, I mean I'm sure they'll be no lower than a two seed. And you just be like, you know, you never know. And, and Duke barely got past Clemson. Yep. A, con- a controversial free throws there at the end. Yeah, um, yeah I like that. And then Arizona's, they've got some pretty bad losses where it's all, oh, yeah, they lose to they lose to Stanford, for Christ's sake. Yeah. It's like, come on. I mean, it's just like, and, and, I mean, and you're going to see on the shows, oh, you know, this Purdue's a Final Four team and Arizona's the Final Oh, yeah? How did it work out last year? There is a 12 seed that I like to pull off an upset here in this, how it goes. And I, I really like, I think they could actually make it to the Sweet 16. And it would be the same team that made a Sweet 16 run before losing to Kentucky. I want to say this was like 14 years ago now, maybe 15. So it's been a while. But the Cornell Big Red, they beat Princeton over the weekend. This is a team to watch out for, Travis. This is uh, this. I like this Cornell team a lot. They are right now projected to be a 12 seed, would play 5 seed Baylor. Sign me up for that. Then you would play the winner of Auburn Akron. Sign me up for that. Sign me up for a Cornell Sweet 16. A Cornell coronation, to quote Jim Nance, if he ever would say that. I don't think I'm going Cornell, but we'll see. It's, uh, it could happen. It's, uh, An eye on it. Somebody's got to do it. We'll see what happens this week. Uh, hope the big week for South Dakota State playing North Dakota State and USD. How about beat both these teams? I mean, the men inexplicably losing to Oral Roberts last week. That's not good. Struggled with the ruse. Let's let's get back on track here. Beat beat North Dakota State and South Dakota handedly. Come on, can we do that, please? The women have won, what, 38 games in a row? In the summer? In the conference? Yeah. They're like, what, 55 and 1? Last four years? Pretty good. And then, yeah, and it's. Yeah, this is their most dominant stretch. So, yeah, the men, the men got to get on track here. And you would think they would, they would be better than this. So it's, it's no. perplexing. Um, anything else we need to get to before we say so long? A few guys scored a lot of points last week in the NBA. Ah, yes. I, I, I didn't know if you wanted to get to that or not, but yes, yeah, we, we certainly can talk about that. It's kind of like well, Joel Embiid had six there at 70, and uh, Luca had 73. Yep. Cat had 62 in a loss to the Hornets. That's inexplicable. He had 44 and a half, and then... What, Booker had 62? Yeah. It's kind of like the steroids with baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, it's impressive, but if four guys do it in the span of five days, it's like, come on. It, I, I really like the response, though, from Anthony Edwards, because uh, uh, Coach Finch for the Timberwolves just laid into his team. He said they played immature basketball in that loss to the Hornets, and, and that is because you shouldn't ever lose a game where you're Leading score has 62 points, and you're playing a team that had won nine games coming into that. 
Uh, but Anthony Edwards, he agreed with it. I, I, I like that it's, it's a sign of maturity. Then then you lose to the Spurs. That's not good that you beat the Thunder earlier this week. So Timberwolves up and down team, but I like the response in general from that, from Anthony Edwards. It t- tells me that, yes, this team has the makeup to to do stuff. Yeah, they slipped up, but, hell, the Thunder lost to the Pistons. So, shit happens. Oklahoma City Thunder, they are – I think they'll win a title here first. I would agree with that. I think Denver right there, I would still pick Denver. I think OKC is coming on hard. Shea Gildress Alexander is fun to watch. Chet Holmgren's good. Good to see that he's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Giddy's not fiddling 16-year-olds, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's good. But, but it's like, you know, there's too many points. Yep. Every every game, one thirty three to one thirty. It's too much. I don't know if that's all just three point shooting. I did a thing like twelve years ago when they weren't scoring so many points at a ball post. I went through a bunch of stats to see, like where the points came from. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, like at least half of the points came from two. And then with the three point shots, it was just in the last. Eight to ten years where the three-point shot overtook free throws for the second most where your points come from. Mm. Mm-hmm. I would imagine, if I look at this again over the past ten years, the difference between the points coming from two and the points coming from three would probably be pretty close. Mm-hmm. Where some teams, not the majority, but maybe 40% of their points come from three. Yeah. Like, it's not fun to watch. I watched the Lakers and Warriors Saturday night in double overtime. Yeah, the Lakers with a big win there over Golden State. And that went two overtimes, and it seems like they, it was like an all-star game. Where, okay, at the, at the end, they finally tried. Yep. But just, you know, it, it's horrendous to watch. Just watching a, a NBA game for the first three quarters is a struggle. How about? I'm sure, I'm sure they're trying, but it certainly doesn't look. How about the Wolves and Nets last Thursday, 96-94, a final. Both teams under 100 points. I wonder how many games there have been this year where both teams have scored under 100 points. I'm going to say there's less than five. I would think so. Yeah, like every team's averaging over 100. So and it just seems like every possession is just a three. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is that offense? Just dribble, dribble, dribble? They drive in, and they could get a two, but they're going to kick it out for a three, and they'll shoot 38% from beyond the arc. Like, some college games can get ugly, but I would much prefer that. Yes. Like, you know, there's some high school games that are not fun to watch, but I would prefer that sometimes rather than the NBA. It feels like they're trying. It feels like they're trying to do something. Mm-hmm. This just feels like street ball. I don't know. There doesn't appear to be much, whatever you want to call it, coaching. And and, and then Doc Rivers takes over Milwaukee and they fire their coach. That's just, all right. I I agree wholeheartedly with you. That that's one of the reasons I've been saying for years. It's that the way too much scoring in the NBA. it, It looks like college players try at least, and that's that's not what you see in. The NBA. Apparently, they, they, their, their defense wasn't good enough. I guess is the reason. Yes, for for, for Milwaukee firing agent. Uh, yes. Yep. They're like, well, we're thirty and thirteen. We lost in the first round last year, and apparently our defense 
not good enough to beat presumably Boston or, or Miami. I don't. Miami's lost seven in a row. Yeah. Uh, like Philadelphia is like the Ravens. You can't take them seriously. So. Right. Yeah, just too many points. It's impressive, but it happens too often like that. It's like it becomes less impressive. Yes. So. Yep. And it's almost like, uh, oh, you didn't do it. Well, why Why not? Yeah. I would agree. It seems, it seems like, oh, whenever they want to, they can get 60. It's like, well, it shouldn't be that. Yeah. Maybe call travel every once in a while. That would That would help. I'm looking through games since December, and I'm not finding another game where both teams scored less than 100 points. It's, yeah, it's not fun to watch. I would agree. Okay, anything else we need to get to before we say so long? Should be about it. All right. The, uh, the Lions. Thank you, Lions. It was fun to watch. Well, I, be... have my, I have my Super Bowl already picked for next year. Uh, I, they will be in prime time and late games a lot next year. I can guarantee that. Uh, they will be must-see television, I think, for a vast majority of the year. Uh, so... I, I forgot to look at the Chiefs and Niners schedule. I have looked at it. I forgot. I would like to see what the first game is going to be next year. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on I that think... next week. One of the teams has like three or four games. Like they play. I feel like San Francisco plays. San Francisco. Everybody, San everybody Francis- good. One of the teams, well, maybe that was one of the teams that yeah. lost. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll touch on that next week. We'll look at that and make our, our prediction for that. I know the 49ers play the NFC North next year. They will get um, Detroit has to go to San Francisco. So that's a possibility. Uh, for that opening game, in fact, I would. Yeah, that's, like, that's what I would. That's, I mean, that's what I would do. Yep. I'm always. They they never do it. I'm always a big proponent of the big rematch, but they but they don't. Yep. Do that, so. Kansas City, I know, plays the AFC North. We'll we'll get we'll we'll pick that next week. We'll 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 study it. We'll uh, we'll make our picks. Uh, next. You want my Super Bowl pick right now for next year? Uh, I I, I hear Detroit and who? Uh, Baltimore. <laughs> Cincinnati. All right, Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati, huh? I feel like the only team that I think like the only team that can beat the Chiefs is the Bengals. They're the only ones that have proven it thus the far. The only one that has so far. So yep. unless Buffalo can't and Baltimore can't and nobody else can, it's got to be up to Cincinnati. So. All right. Very good. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, you have a great rest of your week. Uh, good luck on the calls. Good luck traveling out there. Safe travels. Uh, and enjoy the weekend out in western South Dakota, and we'll talk to you next week, my friend. See you next week. All right. Travis Grins joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Uh, join me, as always. Great stuff there. Uh, we we disagree uh, regarding the, the Lions. Um, Travis is in the minority when it comes to that specific Point, you know, not blaming. I, I get where he's coming from, Josh Reynolds and stuff. But players always get um, there are lost plays out there where they don't do their job. It just seems like Dan Campbell for the situ the game situation. He didn't he didn't perform. He didn't succeed. Uh, he he put his team in a bad spot. And if he gets praise for always being aggressive. You, you get the criticism when it goes bad. 
Uh, we're gonna have a, a few. We're gonna try and get Jeff Lloyd on uh, to talk about the Senior Bowl. If not, we'll we'll have a few thoughts on the Senior or uh, yeah, on the Senior Bowl down there in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, final f- few thoughts on the AFC NFC Championship game, and we'll wrap up on this week's edition of the Sports Block Pos- uh, Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com or archive.org. Also on iTunes, just search Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Crins on Twitter at Travis Crins. Link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Wrapping up with a few thoughts on the Senior Bowl and more, and then some. Well, we'll see what happens. Continuing on here on the Sports Block Podcast, we were unable to connect with Jeff. Lloyd, uh, the second from the Lockdown Browns podcast, to talk Senior Bowl prospects, talk uh, <clears throat> East-West Shrine prospects. Hopefully, we will be getting him on next week, though I doubt it. But we'll see. We'll see. Hope, hopefully, we can get him on here one of these weeks uh, to talk about. But let's just kind of talk about some of these things going on here at the Reese's Senior Bowl. It's a big week. This is, you know, the really the beginning of the grind for the NFL draft and everything you have guys down in uh, Mobile this week at the Senior Bowl. Some names, and again, these are a lot of seniors. You don't, are these super seniors? Like, what's going on here? But uh, you got some small prospects like Virginia State defensive back Willie Drew. It's a chance for guys, you know, to to find some names and stuff. I'm just looking here at, at some of the other there's you know a lot of defensive linemen here how about a brennan jackson from washington state maybe i didn't see a lot of washington state here during the year well it's a chance to to get to know who these guys are ethan driscoll from marshall 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 how about isaiah davis south dakota state running back two-time national champion he's down there in mobile he has some of his teammates are at the east west shrine game we'll get to that here in a minute uh brevin span ford a tight end from minnesota Really highly touted coming into last year's college football season. Didn't do much. And that's, I think, maybe more a result of Minnesota's inept offense for the for the most part. But that's a, he's a guy that was really highly touted coming out of last year. So what's going to happen? How about Luke McCaffrey? Christian McCaffrey's uh, kid brother is a wide receiver at Rice. He's at the Senior Bowl this week. Uh, before hopefully going out to Vegas to watch his brother try and win a Super Bowl here, so those are some of the um, some of the guys you want to take a look at. You know, Bo Nix, uh, Sam Hartman, Michael Penix Jr. All on the national team here at the Reese's Senior Bowl, trying to make it. It sounds like Bo Nix has not had that great of a. Uh, of a practice or a week so far. So that's big. How about Michael Penix Jr. being able to kind of forget about the national championship and show everyone why he was such a big, uh, you know, how, how he was so dominant during the college football season. So that is very important. Sam Hartman, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But really, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. are the two guys you want to look out at the quarterback position. Uh, turning it over to the American side now, uh, you know, you got I'm trying to look here for some names to, you know, like, how about Houston Christian, Jalex Hunt, a linebacker? Who knows what, what's going to happen, but a small t- uh, small school from the FCS get a chance to, to do some stuff there, so that's good. How about Michael Pratt, the quarterback, Spencer Rattler, and Carter Bradley, a Joe Milton? I'm looking at the American uh, quarterback roster. It's 
pretty evident that Spencer Rattler is the best of the bunch there. You got Michael Pratt, who you know did some really good things at Tulane. So we'll see what uh, what happens there. Can they make a name for themselves? How well, Ryan Florney or Florno, uh, Flowernoy, excuse me, Flournoy from uh, Southeast Missouri State, a wide receiver. Uh, I mean. How about uh, you got Johnny Wilson, a wide receiver from Florida State. He was one of the guys that um, that opted out of the Orange Bowl when, you know, obviously Florida State got annihilated. But he is uh, he looks to impress Lad McConkey from Georgia. Another kind of one of those. He seemed more like a Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type guy. That's a possibility here. Uh, so that's. Uh, you, we need to see what goes on there during the week, see what happens. The Senior Bowl is Saturday, I believe it's at 1 p.m. Eastern on uh, on the NFL Network. Let, let me just get the let me get the that time pulled up. Yeah, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on the NFL Network. So that's something to keep an eye out there as we as we look towards the. East-West Shrine game, by the time you listen to this podcast, you will know um, the results of that game, but it is it is big, and I'm looking at it mainly from the standpoint of the Jackrabbits. The Yankee Twins are there. You got uh, McCormick is there. Garrett Greenfield is there. Uh, a lot of, I mean, that it's pretty cool. Uh, that so many jackrabbits are there. I think we've seen in the past, uh, you know, there were so many bison players that would go to these um, to these games and really help boost their draft profile. And that, uh, and because the jackrabbits have won here so much, in um, you know, they, they've won the national championship each of the last two years. Now you're seeing the um, not now you're seeing. Those some of these players get um, you know get uh, get more attention, get a look here, and we'll see what the scouts say. I've heard the Yankee Twins have been doing fairly well this week. Uh, Cormick has been uh, Mike Golick Jr. Uh, said. Uh, of a video where McCormick gets his hand underneath the face. He's like, oh, it looked, he made him look like a Pez dispenser. So when Mike Golick Jr., former ESPN personality, now on DraftKings, but a former offensive lineman, and he's got some clout. I mean, it, it, or he's got a lot of name recognition. He, he knows what he's talking about because he was an offensive lineman. So that's pretty cool here that you see uh, that happening. So that is at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on the NFL Network on Thursday. So five Jackrabbits in there. Get a chance to see what they can do. And then uh, Isaiah Davis and McCormick and Greenfield are uh, have received invites to the senior or to uh, to the scouting combine in Indianapolis. So the Yankee Twins aren't. Uh, Zach Hines also is at the uh, East West Shrine game too, I believe. So. Um, they didn't get the invites to the scouting combine. Davis and uh, McCormick and Greenfield did, but that, I mean that's still significant that you have two offensive linemen there and and Isaiah Davis. But no doubt when SDSU's pro day rolls around here, I would assume that's uh, towards the middle end of March. We'll get that date for you here later on. But I would presume that when that happens, there will be a lot of scouts there. And I am going to say that the over-under for Jackrabbits that get drafted this year is three and a half. 
I think there's three for sure. I think it's Greenfield and McCormick and um, and and Davis. And then will it be one of the Yankee twins? I, I they're going to get a look in a camp. No, no doubt about it. Um, if then just who else is there? So um, we'll 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 see who can do it. I'm going to say that it will be over three and a half though. Uh, Jackrabbits that get drafted in this year's draft for sure three, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say four. I'm gonna say there's there's at least four. Uh, if we look at I'm just pulling up the rosters here just to make sure I got everything. You, of course, you got Jane and Yankee. You got Jackson Yankee. One of two sets of twins here, by the way, at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, Zach Hines, of course. Uh, Garrett Greenfield, uh, Mason McCormick. So those are the Jackrabbits there that are at the East-West Shrine game. Uh, so pretty cool stuff there. Uh, seeing, I don't think they had anyone on defense. No, that's a Toledo Rocket. A South Dakota guy, uh, cornerback, uh, Miles Harden. So USD represented there at the East-West Shrine game as well. How about uh, from Toronto Argonauts? Ooh, that's interesting. So uh, definitely... Give that a look, and we'll see uh, how the rest of the draft process goes, and we'll talk about it. Leading up to April's draft, it's what, the 22nd through the 20th? It's it's towards the end of April. I think the 23rd through the 25th in Detroit this year. Detroit, a banner year for them with uh, the way the Lions played, and that leads us kind of back to the NFC Championship game. Um, Certainly... A lot of discussion between Travis and myself, a debate about who deserves the blame. I think the vast majority, myself included, think that Dan Campbell deserves a lot of the blame. Travis says no, and I totally see where he's coming from in terms of the the fourth down conversions, but there's a time and a place for it, and just the, the game probably dictated that you probably at least try for a field goal, and if you don't have a kicker, you got to get one, and that could be an indictment on Brad Holmes and um, Dan Campbell. And your aggressiveness, it, it's great when it works, and Campbell gets praised. He was aggressive, and it failed. Therefore, he needs to receive the blame. But the 49ers come back. They were trailing 24-7 at the half. They come back. They win uh, 34-31. Scored 27 unanswered points at one point. The Lions, uh, with two failed fourth down conversions, a couple of punts in there, a turnover, a fumble on, by Jameer Gibbs. Just, I, I don't know if it's a, I don't, I wouldn't call it a meltdown in the second half, but boy, their offense just could not get in sync, could not get in rhythm, and the 49ers ultimately prevailed. They will be in the Super Bowl against Taylor Swift. In her rookie season with the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, there is some interesting stuff that's going out there. I mean, so many people are anti-Taylor. I know I'm not. I really like what's going on. I understand where Travis is coming from. And like, don't show her as much. I don't need to see her as often. Or like when Isaiah Pacheco scores a touchdown. I totally understand that. I would think that maybe that's... Uh, an agreement you could see her during the game say you know get off me or stop showing me there i think cbs was doing a, a promo for the grammys and of course taylor swift's going to win a lot of grammys this week that's on uh, sunday night on cbs by the way if you're tuning into that so that is certainly 
uh, there's been a lot of talk, but then the, the New York Times has looked and the average amount of time that Taylor's been on TV. And I don't know, it's well under a minute. Sometimes it's like 25 seconds a game. There's a 30 second. She was on for 44 seconds at the AFC Championship game throughout the duration of the game. So not even a full minute of the over three hours that the that this game is on. Of course, we don't factor in the, you know, the celebration the the Lamar Hunt trophy presentation and all that stuff afterward but just 44 seconds I don't even think so much it's the time that she's on TV it's the number of times that they cut to her so I don't think it's the duration I think it's more the quantity of times but we can we'll get that it was very interesting though and like I said I have no issues with it but boy it seems like a lot of people are just I I, I don't get it I, I really don't why they get why they're so bothered by this let them have a good relationship for crying out loud. But regardless, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. We will preview Super Bowl 58 uh, in Las Vegas. We won't be in Las Vegas next week. Uh, that would be a lot of fun being there on Radio Row. But we will preview the Super Bowl. We'll give some picks. Lots of college basketball to discuss. Uh, we talked about the Twins trade of Jorge Polanco. The... Um, the, the, the Joe Maurer getting into the Hall of Fame. A lot of uh, big scores in the NBA this week. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about all of the, the college basketball, and of course, previewing the Super Bowl next week. Already two teams that I was highly touted on, UNC and New Mexico, lost this week. So what the hell do I know, I guess? Or maybe it's the, the Nathan Jinx putting it on them. So uh, we'll talk about college basketball, preview the Super Bowl, of course, and talk about anything else that's big in the world of sports next week. So for Travis, I'm Nathan. You can find, uh, we'll try and get Jeff on whenever we can. Uh, hopefully our schedules will align here at uh, one of these times, one of these weeks. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, uh, for Travis, I'm Nathan. Find us on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Also on podcast.com and archive.org. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Krins on Twitter at Travis Krins. Link to the podcast posted middle to later to mi- middle to later part of each week. Easy for me to say. So for all of us, have a great week. Enjoy the NHL All Star Game this weekend if you're watching that. Enjoy the Senior Bowl, the East West Shrine Game, the Pro Bowl if you're into that garbage that the NFL throws at you. I mean, good. Good for them. Skills competition, whatever. I ain't going to watch any of it. Uh, The college basketball this week. uh, Enjoy it all. And we'll be back next week to talk about everything big and, of course, uh, specifically preview Super Bowl 58 that takes place in Las Vegas next Sunday. So for Travis, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week. And we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.